<laughs> What's happening, weirdos? This is uh, Ryan Holiday, who I just found out about, but man, hot damn. This guy is incredible. One of the most fun episodes of all time, most interesting episodes of all time. He is the author. He's 31, and he's written nine books. Nine books? He's also ghostwritten. We cover this in the episode. I don't have to tell you this. But he is an unbelievable mind and a, and a great guy, and I was so, so happy that he came in to make it weird. So um, check out the, the ones of his that I'm reading right now. One is Ego is the Enemy and The Obstacle is the Way. Those are the two that I'm working through right now that I can say are incredible. I haven't read all of them, but they are incredible. And uh, any of his other nine. I mean, he's just a, a wonderfully talented author. So check him out. Pretty much anything he's done uh, seems to be incredible. So uh, check him out as a, as, a, as, a, as a writer and check him out as a podcast guest right now. A um, couple things to plug. I have a book. Oh, shit. I have a book called Comedy, Sex, God. Notice how I pause after each word so it doesn't sound like it's a book about me calling myself a comedy sex god. And I look forward to answering that question in press for the next six months. But it's called Comedy, Sex, God, because as you know, those are the three things that I care the most about. Comedy being art, sex being love, and God being the mystery. So, of existence that we're all stuck in. What a conundrum. So I wrote a book about it. Um, And I really, really, really hope you like it. Um, Not to grovel, but if you have loved this podcast and have uh, wanted a way to support or show love, please buy this book. It's been uh, years. I've been writing it for years, and I worked on it harder than maybe anything that I've worked on, and it means so much to me. It's a topic, topics so close to my heart, um, and unbelievably has stories and thoughts in it that I haven't shared on this podcast, um, which I'm excited to get out in print form. Uh, So please, uh, check it out. You can go to harperwave.com slash Pete Holmes, or you can just go on Amazon and type in Comedy Sex God and pre-order it now. Uh, It would make my publishers and me so happy to get some nice pre-orders. So please uh, consider buying it or buying it for a friend or an enemy. (laughs) Uh, Okay, (laughs) I'm also doing Largo February 27th. I'm not really doing much stand-up these days except my Largo shows. So if you're in the L.A. area, go to Largo-LA.com for tickets. Those are always amazing. Uh, The last one, like Bob Odenkirk, Natasha Leggero. It was just always stellar lineups, uh, wonderful musical guests. Always, always, always packed to the gills with wonderfulness. Um, And I do want to give a shout-out to the Pete's Picks. I'm so happy. I keep hearing Pete's Picks, in case this is the first episode you've ever listened to. Hi, Baby Lee. Baby Lee wants... Wants me to not do the Pete's Picks, or she wants she wants me to do them? I don't know. She says yes. Pete's Picks are products that I use and love sincerely every single day of my life. Um, I, I decided when we went independent to stop doing traditional ads and just promote things that I actually use and actually love. And the Pete's Picks this week are cachava. Cachava is a plant-based superfood drink powder. A drink powder is not enough gravitas of words to uh, describe what it is. It's a 100% plant-based nutrition overload. It, it, in one shake, you throw some of the powder in a shake bottle with some water. <laughs> Hi, Lee. There's powdered coconut milk in there. You shake it up, makes it creamy, delicious, chocolatey, and smooth. Just the right amount of sweetness with coconut sweeteners, 
unbelievable. It tastes incredible, but even more important, it makes you feel incredible. It's actually delicious. You get a wonderful nutrient high from the maca, from the cacao. Uh, it keeps you full for hours. In fact, that's pretty much all I've had today. It's 4.45. It's pretty much all I've eaten today. Uh, it is as close as I've come to a meal and a pill. I put it in my... Baby Lee, get over here. I put it in my suitcase when I uh, travel. Sometimes when I... Katie, the, the au pair, is holding <laughs> Baby Lee. Hi, Hello. Baby Lee. Hi, baby. You want to say something to the people? <laughs> well, they can't hear your smile. She's smiling, though. Um, I throw it in my bag when I travel because it's hard to eat well on the road. I also, when I'm holding Baby Lee and only have one free hand to make a meal that is delicious and, and going to keep me full, I, I, I can do it with one hand. Just like making her a bottle of formula, I can make Daddy his formula. Kachava. It's got omega-3s from chia and flax. It's got eight superfoods. It's got 17 greens and veggies. It's gluten-free. It's soy-free. has no artificial sweeteners or preservatives. It's got digestive support built right in, 24 grams of protein, plant-based protein, and nine grams of fiber. And you get 20% off. You can show your support of the show and get some amazing nutrition and deliciousness in your body. Go to K-A-C-H-A-V-A, kachava.com slash weird. You get 20% off. Uh, I also, the original Pete's Pick, which I haven't had my Charlotte's Web today, is Charlotte's Web hemp oil. It's made from the hemp plant. They use science to remove the THC. THC is what gets you stoned. Stoned, man. And they leave this, what am I, 90 years old? Stoned, man. They leave the CBD. They use science to isolate the CBD, the body and brain beneficial CBD part of the plant. And that's what's in there. Uh, it, for me, speaking from my personal experience, it is a wonderful mood elevator. It is an anxiety reducer. Makes me laugh a little bit faster, smile a little bit more. Um, if I'm traveling and I'm stressed out or I'm going to dinner with my parents, just a little bit of uh, Charlotte's Web hemp oil just makes me take things a little more in stride, a little less seriously. That, that's not to say it's not an intoxicant in any way. It doesn't make you out of it. You can work on it. In fact, I write on it. I perform on it. I act on it. It's not, it doesn't take you out of the game in any way. It just helps you ease and flow with things. It's sort of hard to describe, which is why I want you to try it. I do the everyday advanced. It's the strongest kind they have because you can literally, it costs a little bit more money, but you can literally just do a couple drops of it. It gets in you and you just kind of feel a happy, healthy glow radiating from somewhere in your belly. Um, I swear by it. I literally take it every day. I also use the uh, massage bombs that they make. They make hemp-infused bombs. Wonderful for shoulder aches and pains. Sometimes I rub it on my forehead when I have a headache. Feels fantastic. Uh, and the oil feels wonderful internally as well. So give it a try. It's a wonderful company. Uh, an ethical company, an ethical company made right in uh, Colorado by the Stanley Brothers. Um, so I love supporting them and their product. Go to cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code Keep It Crispy. You'll get 10% off. To those of you that jump to the end, come see me at Largo, February 27th. And please, uh, please, 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 <laughs> just begging now, pre-order my book, Comedy Sex God. If you like this podcast, you will like the book. I promise that. I work so hard on it. I hope you enjoy. 
And in the meantime, enjoy my chat here with uh, hopefully my new friend, Ryan Holiday. Check him out as well and get into this mind-blowing conversation that I just had a couple hours ago. He's amazing. Get into it. It's, it's really up to us. We can be cold and have fresh air or close it. It's probably better to... I think we'll, we'll be more comfortable with it closed. You want a tiny green tea? You don't like anything, man. I got you this. <laughs> well, now you can't give me a gift. Also, this was in my hotel room. Man, nah, that's fun. That is fun. I've seen this. Uh, he handed me a crashing HBO guy. They sometimes have these in hotels. And sometimes I see them. And it's a, it, the feeling I would call it a, is a depersonalized. You know, I'm sure you've had experiences like that where I see this and I don't go, there I am. I go, there's this thing. There's this guy. You know, has that happened to you yet? Do you feel like there's Ryan Holiday, you, and then there's Ryan Holiday that you might read about in a magazine or something? Yeah, a little bit. It's, it is weird. Like you, that's what you think you want. You like, you think you want like media attention. You want like. You want to be recognized. It would be so cool if someone recognized me. Right. Like when I was at the hotel, I was waiting. I was talking to a friend. I was waiting for the elevator, and someone recognized me. And that, like, when I was starting writing, that would have been like the thing. That would have been a thing you thought would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it just made me really uncomfortable. It's not that I don't like it, but it it doesn't make it doesn't make me feel. It good. wasn't what you thought it was. Yeah, it's just we I don't just, know. We just had somebody on that was talking about like a friend of theirs did the Tonight Show, and afterwards they walked around just weeping. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because they had gotten. To the thing, and I, yeah. I've, I've had I, both of us have rung a lot of those bells along the way, and I am so happy that you're here, and I'm fascinated to talk to you, yeah. and I'm honored that you're here, and thank you for the book, uh, and let's talk about it. I do one of the things that comes to mind, we, and we're recording, but yeah. <laughs> I hope that's okay. <laughs> I, I Straight off the bat, is I wrestle with the idea of I have a lot of happiness that comes from detachment to those things. Detachment from those things? From getting recognized yeah. or having a lot of followers or whatever. And I'm right there with you when, I, when we talk about ego being like this thief yeah. that goes like, yeah, but you could have as many followers as Bill Burr. And, and, you're, and I know sure. that that's horseshit. What I find interesting, though, is I do catch myself benefiting psychologically from some achievement. Sure. Wouldn't you say? Well, one of the things I talk about is like the distinction between confidence and ego. Uh-huh. So I think if you do something and you're like, I did this, I accomplished this thing, and now I have some evidence of my capabilities, yeah. then that's like a good feeling. That's it. The, the, the difference is you're like, oh, I'm a better person because someone recognized. Like that's the empty, toxic feeling. That is beautiful. Because I catch myself, there, there's that Seinfeld episode where he's with a girl and you hear Seinfeld's inner monologue, and he, he wants to kiss her. It's the end of the night, and, and it looks like she wants him to kiss yeah. him, her. And he goes, you've been on The Tonight Show, for, for crying out <laughs> yeah. loud. And I haven't had that exact moment, but I do catch myself, especially with my family, uh, as soon as I rang those bells, as I called them, I started feeling a little bit more respected by specifically my father. Yeah. And that strangely felt good. I actually talked to, um, do you know who Ramdas is? He wrote Be yeah. Here Now. Uh-huh. I was like, do you ever benefit psychologically from the fact that like you did it, like you're a guy and, yeah. like with your family? And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, man. Well, I think about that with, with my dad. It's it, And I've talked about it with my therapist and stuff. It's like, would I have this? I have a good relationship with my dad. Would I have the same relationship with my dad if I was still struggling in my writing career? 
Right. You know, it, and I don't think I would. When did he get it, though? Because writing, you'd think this is clear. Yes. You brought me yeah. a picture of me from a hotel. Right. I still have to explain to my dad. He is, and I say this with love, he's got a lot of ego. Yeah. And he's got a lot of uh, left brain thinking. He, he goes, on a scale from one to ten, how big of a deal is this? That's what he would he say. He would say that to you? Or, even cruder... And I, lo- I, I do love my dad. I yeah. have issues with him, obviously, but I love my dad. He'll say, he'll want to know what it pays because he, that, he needs yeah. the scale. This is, and I would say that's an ego-driven structure. Sure. Let, let's put points on the game. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, what does it pay? And then you can catch... Now, I wouldn't even say him. You can catch his ego appreciating me. Well, I think <laughs> the breakthrough I had with my dad... So first it was like, oh, you know, you were on this bestseller list or, you know, you had a book. That's like a real thing. But then it was like some of their friends started being like, is your son this person? Like my parents' friends read my books yeah. independently of my parents. Oh, that's nice. And so I think that was like very establishing. But it's very... Oh, com- that's nice. It's very... It, I was reading this book about Kafka recently, and and there's a scene in it. Like this is a biography, so, but he gives one of his books to his dad, and his dad goes, "Oh, just put that on my night table," and then never spoke to him about it again. Was and that was terrible. Or? Yeah, that would like that, that's like like <laughs> you're like, like Dad, I'm going to be on this television show, yeah. and then he's like, "Oh, great," and then he never mentioned, you know, like right. the, so I I have that with my parents a little bit, and that's what I mean. Like if I what if I was still struggling, um, or my success was a little bit less objective as a writer, right? There would be a distance between us because they wouldn't be able to get it because he was uh, right. I hear that, and do you yeah. think there was a little bit of a. Now my boy has become a man sort of thing. I think they like that their friends talk to them about it now. They they get it. You're right from my brain. My dad's greatest appreciation for me is when someone else tells him, hey, I saw your boy on the fucking TV. And then he starts to, it coalesces. He understands. And you have the same thing. Yeah, which is so sad because your parents... Your parents are supposed to love you for you. I know. And they're, they're sp- you're already supposed to be that to them, and then this should be extra. You kind of catch them. Yeah. You go like, ah! Yeah. You care about me more. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I run into that with family sometimes where um, someone, I can't really say that without getting in the shit. I'm not going to say it. All right. I, that almost never happens. Yeah. I just don't want to disparage somebody uh, that can't speak for themselves fcc rules these are fcc (laughs) rules i can't do it um you mentioned something in your work that i loved i was talking to my mom so i just wrote my first book and i'd I'd love to talk you've written nine books something like that yeah i believe it's i published nine under me and then i've done a lot of ghostwriting so i've worked on you know probably you've done ghostwriting yeah scary yeah I like write. I like writing, so I'm I know. just always writing. We're going to talk about that, okay? Because I, I, I also like writing, yeah. And, but I'd love to talk about uh, how you can like it, and also it's painful. By the way, this w- the book's not out yet. Which one? Your book. It is not out. It's out in May. So this is the best part because you've now done a book. Like, there's yeah, a- I can just sort of enjoy it. It's the harvest. Yeah. Well, there's this line like, uh, "Painters like painting, writers like having written," uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Like you have a book, right? Yes. So it's like that is that's this is the best period you're of right. the book, yeah. Because now no one shit on it. It's not you're not like oh, but could it have? Even if it sold a million copies, you'd be like a million one, you know? Right, like right, right. why are, why aren't we this happening? Why is so and so's book in this airport and mine isn't? You know? So this is like this is the Can best. I part. admit to you that I've already been in airport bookstores and gone, "Where's my fucking book?" 
And it's not out yet. That's ego. That's well, the little insanity right there. Well, publishers It's a hate- joke. Like, I laugh yeah, yeah, when yeah. I think it, but go on. Well, publishers hate, hate that because authors and, like, people who do books travel a lot. So they're so always in airport book bookstores. Book. Yeah. They're like, where's my book? And they're like... 0.1% of books are sold in airports. Yeah, like, yeah, why yeah. do you care? But it's that's the ego thing. You're like, it's totally ego. And it's like you point out, it's irrational, it's ineffective, it's and it's completely stupid. It's the and, same thing how I feel about, and I am not this way, but I want to admit my pettiness yeah. so that we can talk about it. But okay. I, I think overall, such a, you know, selfish statement. I'm just saying I don't go around being petty. Right. I do sometimes go, hey, last season that billboard was a crashing billboard and now it's not. Right. Those that that thought takes point one seconds to have. Yeah. And it takes longer to say it to you than to have it. But I catch myself having that. And then you have to go like, dude, what are you talking about? You think the billboard on Sunset Boulevard in your neighborhood has anything to fight like what are they doing to like promote it? Right. To like people in the real world, not in fucking LA. But in I also found out yeah, that HBO, not HBO specifically, but sometimes networks will buy billboards near where the people who made the sure. shows so live. So you'll leave them alone. To leave them alone. Well, so that's the, th- <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing about airports is that I know objectively all those spots are paid for. Are they really? Yeah, like any, like so. Let's say there's it's like a, a rack, grocery store. Yeah, let's yeah. say there's the rack of like the twenty bestsellers. Like it's like one, two. That that's often data driven, and there are books that are selling. But like anytime you're at a bookstore and there's a book like on a table, that space is paid for. Wow. And so you know, like I know my friends are spending Malcolm way Gladwell, too much money. You son of a bitch! I'm just like he did <laughs> right, it. Right. I'm an idiot, and I think he did it. <laughs> But, but I'm like, I'm Would like, $500 be your tipping I, point? I could pay 50 grand a year to have my bookstore, right. my book in a bookstore, but I think that's stupid, but Dude. I still want it. You're right there with the Walk of Fame. Yeah. Those are paid for. I did, know, it costs, I did not know that. I think it's something like $50,000 to yeah. get a, a Hollywood Walk of Fame. You have it's, to be invited. Right. Talk about ego. Yeah. You have to be invited. Yeah. Uh, and then you and then you pay for it. Nobody talks about that you pay for so, it. So like but somebody has a it. new movie out, they're they're buying it to promote the new movie. I think it's even less rational than that. Wow. Your brain is so beautiful <laughs> and rational that you're like, it must be for some reason. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's just so. Again, it goes back to our parents. Right. Would you like to see my star on the Walk of Fame? Right. And I'm like, yeah. You're you're good at zoomed out thinking. It's like how many decades before we jackhammer this one out <laughs> sure, and sure. put in like guy Beyonce. <laughs> 2000 like the, the celebrity of the of the third of the third, is that is century. that guy fieri and beyonce's yeah, kid is guy that- fiance <laughs> 2000 even in the year 3000 the year 2000 still sounds like sure. the future you know okay. how it works okay that makes sense but it's total total the dumb dumb stuff uh so that's fascinating about the books being bought for bought for paid it's co it's called co it's just promotional space it's i think that in grocery stores it i is, go yeah, somebody like they gave a lot of free funyuns to get the you know what i mean yeah they i think they have something where they give free merchandise to the stores uh it's i don't know well it's and it's that that's why on amazon too like look if your thing is selling obviously stores stock it but like if you want the the prime if, if you're at the counter that's extra you know or if you're at the end cap that's right, extra right and so um, and look, nobody's doing it if it's not usually producing a return of some kind, but there is like, you know, that someone else is doing it. It's like, right. And especially in my space, cause a lot of my books are nonfiction. It's like, I'm going up against this billionaire who's not even trying to 
like I'm trying to write a book that's profitable. This billionaire is doing a book because it's good for their brand or it, you know, right. they're competing with their billionaire friends. Right. Of course theirs is on the end cap and right. mine isn't. Shots we're, fired, Mark Cuban. <laughs> I'm just we're, kidding. We're, doing, we're running totally different races. But, right. Yeah. Well, that is, that is unbelievably fascinating. And, and the, the, you talk about writing the book for you. And I think that's just so brilliant. I've often comforted myself going like, Talking about how Steve Martin, who's a hero of mine, his records are above your head. Those were poorly reviewed. Yeah, you sure. know what I mean. Like, and there's there's endless examples. You talked about Moby Dick is poorly reviewed. Yes, and, and Moby fucking Dick. Right. So what are we doing? Like that is such an essential question. I, you're a very intentional person, and I feel sometimes. No, no. Or at least you write about intention. Yeah. We're all lacking that. We don't know what we want. We don't know why we're doing it. And I think that's why sometimes we cry after we do The Tonight Show is we don't know what we were doing it for. Where some of the more centered, grounded, centered, grounded people I know were doing it because they're excellent or it's because they're supposed to do it. Yeah. Have you, have, I know you're, you're into some, have you ever read any of Rene Girard's stuff? I know that name is familiar. What is the he's this seminal? weird? He's this French uh, philosopher who's who taught Stanford for a long time. But his he has this theory of desire, which is like we don't want things; we want what other people want. Like we don't know what we want, so we want what other people want. Yeah. And so a lot of times, maybe maybe you cry at after doing the Tonight Show because it, your dad thought it was important. Can I? I, I'm just so excited. <laughs> yeah. No, you thought some. You, everyone else says that's important. That's right. And then, so it's not just like, hey, things don't make you happy. It's that you're not even chasing the things that you deep down actually right. want or are good. Right. You're chasing them because other people want them, and then you get them, and then you're like, what have I done? It's it, my friend. It, he didn't come up with it, but Rob Bell talks about like you climb this ladder. I'm sure you've heard this a million. And then you realize it was against the wrong wall. Like, you didn't even stop to consider which wall am I put. And I say all the time, I say this in in reference to alcohol and in in reference to a lot of different things. I don't care. You can do whatever you want. You can chase whatever narrative you want to be happy. I'd prefer it not hurt people. But you can do anything you'd like. Go ahead. Go knock yourself out. But ask yourself, who wrote the fucking narrative? Who wrote it? Because so many of us are taking someone else's concept and going, that's... That's when it'll be it. And it seems to me you keep nudging us and pointing us back going like, what is it that you actually want? Like, what is it that you really fucking would like to do? Not what our dads would like us to do or society would like us to do. I mean, if we were in ancient Greece, we'd be striving because we're both, I'm an achiever. I would be striving for different goals because for so much of my life, I was just like, which toga should I own and how many orgies do I need to go to? And I'll murder this guy or I'll conspire for this and then I'll really be hot shit. And as I get older, I'm like, none of that fucking matters. The joy of writing my book, I'm happy to report was that I was like, this is what I want to say. This is what makes me feel chills. I feel good feelings when I when I read and write this sort of stuff. Yeah, and one of the things I think about is like, what do you want like your day to look like? Like, what is like a happy day for you? Yeah. And then you try to make decisions that get you closer to that. Like, yeah. obviously, sometimes you have to do shit you don't want to do. But it's like, people are like, oh, I want to be a billionaire. And like, why do you want to be a billionaire? Like, what is your That's day look Tony like? That's a Tony Robbins thing. He's like, why? Yeah. What do you, why, what are you going to do with your money? Yeah, I mean, what's right. that? And nothing, how can you, usually? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, so it's like, yeah. what, do you, what do you want your day to look like? And and I think this I've heard you to, say that. What does your Saturday look like? Yes, yeah. yes. And and I so, think that's brilliant. I, I've actually been a little bit. Ha- I'm sorry to interrupt. I've yeah. been haunted by that because I'm like. 
fuck. My Monday doesn't look anything like my Saturday. Right. And I have, uh, for lack of a better word, power. Power to change my own yeah, life. You can do really whatever you I want. I could change my life. Right. And yet... Yeah. On Monday, I'm like, these fucking emails. Yeah, what am I, I go doing? to this meeting. Yes. Yeah, right. Jay, Mark and Jay Duplass were like, less meetings, more movies. That was like a big yeah. thing they said. They were like, we're not doing any more general meetings because it takes a fucking chunk of our week away. And when yeah. that week is open, we're in the desert with a boom mic and a <laughs> yeah. script. Like, that's fucking real shit. So, so, and then, so you have to know what you actually really like doing, not like, what do you like accomplishing? What do you like doing? And yeah. so it's like, I, even though I was saying, like, you know, writing, books is can be terrible and that's why it's nice to be finished with them yes but it's like i i really like writing that's my favorite it comes through thing. in your writing and i think that's oh, a good you. compliment as I, when i read your work i go this is someone who goes how can i write the perfect first page and not in not in an obsessive like yeah uh like real ding, 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 ones and zeros way an artistic way but goes like what is the fucking book I want to read? And what is that first line and that first page? What is that second page? And what is the, even the the font layout and the way that there's a line at the bottom, it's very, what it feels like is a nice hotel. You ever go to a nice hotel that has design? Yeah. And you're like, Jesus Christ, the soap, the soap has the same emblem as the bedspread. And you don't even know why it makes you feel kind of cozy and loved, but your books have that sort of warmth to them. No, that's like the nicest thing you can say. <laughs> I, I, to me, and and the reason I like ghostwriting, uh, although it can it can be lucrative as well. I, books are like puzzles to me, and I like solving the puzzle. Like, That's what, what I, should this book be? Yeah. Like, here's the idea, or here's the person, or here's what's happening in the world. What should this book be? And I like cracking the structure and yeah. making it all yeah. happen. And I really like that. And so, so. I really enjoy that, and I, I try to see that as a privilege to get to do that, because most people, they're like, I want to write a book, but I can't, or mm-hmm. how will someone pay me? And so if you, can, if you can go like, what I really like is doing this thing, whether it's like writing jokes, or it's making movies, or it's, you know, like, you're a personal trainer. I, I only really like working with clients, you know, whatever right, it is. Right. Like, how can you set your life up or your career so you get to do the most amount of that thing? Mm-hmm. Like, there's that Mitch Hedberg joke. Uh, where he says, like, you know, you're a good comedian, so they want you to act. Right. And he's like, that's like going to a chef and uh, asking if they can farm. That's when you so get funny. good at stuff, people want you to do, like, the opposite of that, that thing. I've actually attributed that to Chris Rock, and I think you're right, where I said it yesterday. So we were in HBO, and we are talking about the potential fourth season. It'll be funny if this comes out after I find <laughs> out that there's no fourth season. So let's enjoy this moment okay. where yeah, I'm talking sure. about if there is a fourth season. I was talking about how um, when you get an opportunity, like this this is all stuff from my old talk show, right? Yeah. This is the background right here. Oh, really? Which is fine. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what to do with it, so it's in the garage. Yeah. Um, but I see it, and, I, and it makes me feel happy. Anyway, um, the idea that a comedian would be good at running a show. Right. Is and I said Chris Rock said is like thinking a waiter would be good at managing a restaurant, <laughs> right? Because you make so many mistakes. I said the yeah. first thing I did was I got super drunk with all my friends and promised them all jobs, <laughs> right? Like I was like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, my uh, one of my friend, my, my smarter business friends, he's a CEO or I don't think he's a CFO. I, mean, I think he's a CEO. Anyway, he was like, you do well to read a book on business management. Like yeah. no one's going to tell you to do. And I wish I had. 
to be right. honest. But I was like, fuck that. That's for the man. I wish I had read something that was like, hey, listen, you need to motivate people. You need to tell them what's expected of them. You need to check in and see what they're, how they're doing, how they're feeling. I still am bad at that. And, and we're in the third Or season. just not do that, right? Like, or just right, don't do it. Or like, just be like, that's kind of the goal. Like ahead. somebody else handled, you know, like the, yeah, I, what, I, someone to do it, what yeah. I find is it'll be like, oh, I've taken on cool opportunities or things that pay well or things that I was excited about in the moment, like the deal excited me, yeah. you know? And then I was like, now I'm like squeezing in writing in between these phone calls or meetings or trips. Yeah. And it's like, wait, the I just think the reward for success cannot be that you do have less, less time to do. do the thing you like to do. This is the fishing thing. I'm sure you've heard it. The yeah. guy that you've heard it. So what's actually, See, so we don't even have there's to say no, it. There, that's a, like old, <laughs> like viral email or it's that story. Oh, is it? Yeah. Right. But that's actually that, I, uh, that is a story from like, a. Uh, 14th century Christian monk. No and way. It has nothing to do with fishing. It's this king is consulting his like philosophers, his advisor, and the king's like, we have to conquer, you know, France. Uh, and then, and what do we do after we conquer France? Well, we conquer Germany. And, you know, then we'll conquer uh, this place. And then he's like, well, what will we do after? And he says, then we will be at peace. But they're at peace then. Yeah. You know, so it's, 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 Ugh. I think what I love about that story, if that story feels very modern. Yeah. But I love the idea that actually it's like, no, this was a problem that like a, a, a monarch in the 14th century was also struggling of with. Of course. But I wonder, and I struggle with, I was talking to somebody, uh, I was like, okay, I just finished a season of television. I just finished a book. I just finished the stand-up special. And we have this baby. There's all these things happening. And then people go, what's next? They Pete? go, what's next? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and that's and I have a lot of my creative friends. You knew. Yeah. You fucking knew. And I have a lot of friends that are just like, that's when I start freaking out. Because yeah. they want... Um, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about the brain being like a... Well, a lot of people actually talk about the brain being like a drunken monkey. And you have to give it something to do. And I was yeah. like, is that really what we're doing? That's waiting around to die. It's going like... Well, I'll I'll take on this. You know that house? There's that haunted house where the woman wouldn't stop renovating it. So there's like stairways that lead. Oh, the Winchester to, Mansion. The Winchester Mansion. Yeah, yeah. A, a staircase that just leads to a wall. I and know I was it was like, like that because she was can't... haunted by the ghosts of. Uh, all I've the heard people that, that too her because we go. watch fun TV. Yeah. <laughs> but like, there's either the hauntedness. Yeah. But that's my right. that's my father's house too. He's just like we're gonna put in a heated driveway, and I was like, because the thought of just fucking sitting there. And just kind of, and I'm not criticizing my dad. A yeah. lot of us, myself included, can have a hard time just going, I'm at peace. So we start wars. Are your parents activity addicts? You know what I think, is? I don't know. Tell me. Just It's like someone who, like, so my parents, like, uh, they came over for Christmas. They were, so, and maybe I'll get in trouble for talking about this. But, okay, so. Uh, you can say it, and if you feel ba- bad about it in a couple of days, you can email all right. me. Uh, but so, okay, so. Uh, my mom is like a volunteer at like this yacht club. Like she has like some, she's retired, but she has some volunteer position. Yeah. So that already, you know, that like cut their trip short to see like our whole family <laughs> because she had like these meetings. And then, yeah. and then, uh, that is so funny. To right. Me. That's like my in-laws just because they're always talking about parts of California that I don't know. And yeah. they're like, we'd love to do it, but we have to be in Clovis. Yeah. And right. I just start laughing when you hear other people talking about their quote, capital I P important plans yeah when you're not involved you're just like look at us ants yeah we're a bunch of fucking ants it's absurd and no ant just goes 
wait a minute, why am I listening to this queen? So, so, so <laughs> Don't they, we they, have enough sugar? So they only have like three, three days to come for Christmas. And yes. then they spent one of the days going on a day trip to another town in Texas. Yeah. Uh, because they Restless. can't sit there and, and be... Yeah. That and and so I realize I have that for them because I think they're of a gener- different generation and they weren't sort of entrepreneurial or creative. They was like there were there they went to a job every day and that took the majority of their energy. Yeah. And then they were just thinking about okay when we're when we're fifty when we're sixty then we can do whatever we want. Right. We can we can finally relax and be still and be happy. Right. And then that happened and then they were like. They sat on the couch, the couch for like eight minutes, and they're like, "This is awful. We need like right. things to do." Well, aren't you addicted at that point? Isn't, yeah, you isn't can't. Your, your brain just doesn't know how to. You didn't feed that wolf. You yeah, know what I mean, you fed the the active wolf. Yeah, and so so they're just always doing, 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 yeah. and it's not like interesting, exciting stuff. Like you know it. what I mean? They just yeah. they're like they're going to Clovis. Like <laughs> I I gotta go to Clovis. <laughs> right? Oh man, I'd love to be there, but I gotta be in Clovis. Right, and it's like they're going to Clovis in three days, but the the previous three days, the prior three days, is like planning for Clovis and yes. checking in for the flight for Clovis, and oh you know, it's just God. like Jesus I'm planning for Clovis. That's your epitaph. <laughs> I was planning for Clovis. That makes me. That's so haunting. And I'm not even yeah. just teasing my in laws. We all sort of have this thing. I I do combat it. There's two things that come to mind. One is when Val and I go to Disneyland, no map. We're a no map family. Okay. We're a no fast pass people. Right. I think there's a deep philosophy happening there, which is we're going to enjoy this ride. Yeah. We're going to, we're not going to, like, it's all about. I was hearing Eckhart Tolle talk to Oprah <laughs> at the table next to me in this yeah. very in, fancy in restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's that? In person? Yeah, in person. It was <laughs> very cool. It was on, on their podcast, on Oprah's podcast. And he was talking about like when you're in the shower, and I, I, I it struck me because I often talk about being trying to be present in the shower. You're not in the shower. You're thinking about the office. Yeah. And we always spend our lives later postponing everything for later. So like my whole thing is you can get more out of one Pirates of the Caribbean ride with your wife where you are relaxed and enjoying it and appreciating the dream of reality and just like kind of soaking in it appreciating the people in the line, smelling the weird water, looking at the employees, really being there in, instead of using that energy that you're using to ground yourself to think about how is the line at Space Mountain? Right. Fucking get out of Clovis. Right. Get your ass out of Clovis. I try, I try to do that with, uh, I have a two-year-old and, and it's like, no, 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 this is not, like having a kid's not like a job activity thing that we're optimizing. There's yeah. no like... Yeah. Like, what is the best way to do this? <laughs> no, you're just doing it. That's you know right. what I mean? Yeah, and I and I feel a lot of my friends who have young kids, like when they describe their lives with their kid, it seems like a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Not, not the kids are a lot of work, but it's that they've like professionalized okay. having a kid. Right. And that can't be good for the kid and it can't be good for them. It, that's not what kids are doing. That's a right. le- when you say it's a learned behavior. Yeah. And, and categorizing and changing and being like, well, and all this sort of. And kids are the most free things there are. Yeah. So if you can't really meet them on that frequency, I have to think that that's. Not I would let's not say damaging, but it's not familiar to them. Yeah, it's always like, what's the best food we should be eating, and what's the best time, and it's got to be on this routine. It yeah. just seems like very exhausting. Well, the, Rob, again, Rob Bell's come up twice. Do you know Rob? No, he's he's an author as well, and he, he's tremendous. He changed my life, and he's one of our best friends. And and he said something brilliant about parenting. He was like, it's not 
let's say Disneyland. It's not Disneyland. You see the kids having the melt panic attack, and the dad is there because he's like, this is our vacation. Right. That was the time that he allotted yes. to be joyful. Mm-hmm. And it's failing right. because there's all this Berenstain Bears, too much birthday. He has some referencing a children's book. When you put all your expectation on a day, it can be overwhelming, and everybody melts down, children and old people, older people alike. So he was like, to him, it's the ride to school. Yes. That's when to be that's when the memories are formed you know what i mean no, when no. i think of my father growing up i think of driving to school and he, and he was great at it he would listen to classic rock one of the most sort of formative things that i read and it's had nothing to do with parenting but it, it's influenced my parenting styles i read this book it's alexandra i'm forgetting her last name but she wrote this book um she wrote one book about dogs uh, that was really good, like the inside world of dogs or something. But then she wrote this book where she went on like seven different walks in seven different areas with a different person. Like mm-hmm. she went on a walk through a field with like a biologist and she went through a walk, a walk in New York City with a um, – with an uh, an architect. Mm. And so, like, what is that person seeing and what are they learning? Brilliant. And one of the walks she goes on, she goes on with, like, a two-year-old or a three-year-old, like, her daughter or son. And so they were going to walk from their building, like, down the block in New York City. And so they leave their apartment. They go to the elevator. They take the elevator down and they go to the lobby. And she realizes about halfway through the lobby that she was thinking the walk would start when she left the building. Brilliant. But to her baby, the walk had started like from the door of their apartment. Of course. And that that is uh, – to a kid's world, there is no like this is the thing. That's and right. That's the thing. It's just all the experience all it's the time. It's a narrative that, that we've said that like now Tuesday has begun. I don't mean to be too freshman year dorm room smoking pot, but it's true. These are stories and we get better at believing them. Apartment is home. Yeah. And when I leave is not home. Right. Uh, who, I've said this many times on the podcast, but I love it. There was this musician who was on acid in Chicago, and he kept touching things and going, is Chicago? And then he'd touch himself and go, is not Chicago. Like he couldn't yeah. get over the fact that a building could be part of Chicago. Because, yeah. of course, it's an abstraction. Sure, sure. And kids don't have that. We talk about that with Leela all the time. She's just here. She's not building a story. Yeah. She's not owed anything. She likes love. We're trying to tell her a certain story of like, I said to her out loud, and she can't understand, yeah. but I think she can feel it. I go, you're so welcome here. I'm so happy oh, you're here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're giving her that sort of sensation. Yeah. But that's because I want to help her build that story. But she doesn't have any. When, yeah, my, that's why she gets up at 4 a.m. She doesn't go, right, oh, it's nighttime. Time. That, yeah. That's a beautiful break. Yeah. Deeply spiritual people also tend to not give a fuck that it's 4 a.m. or, or, or sure. noon or whatever. Because they're just, it's always right now. Yeah, my kid just goes like, play dirt, play dirt. And he just wants to go outside and play. In the, and you're like, he no, but these are the toys. Yes. You know, or like, but we're going to go do this. No, it's like, to him, like, we're thinking like, we should drive down the street to the park and then we'll play on the playground. And it's like, no, he wants to play in the dirt in the garden. Yeah. And that is way more fun for I him than anything. It. And and that's, I think you have to make sure that as a parent, you don't stop that. Yeah. And you have to... the 
beauty of children is that they remind you of the abstractionness right. of everything. And Val and I were just talking about that. We we were watching Great British Bake Off, like we do. And we were like, it's crazy that batter you heat up batter and it becomes cake. Yeah, like you see them pouring gooey stuff into a pan. Yeah, and you're like. That's a goddamn fucking miracle. It's insane sure. that we just go like, yeah, and so is the dirt in your garden. And kids are like tuned into that. Of course, at a certain point, you just start going like, well, there's things to do. And, and, yeah. we, and we lose it. And But this yeah. is one of the reasons why some of us love to be around kids is because the cliche of them opening the Christmas present and then playing with the box. Yeah. You're like, you know what I thought I had today? I was thinking about George's Marvelous Medicine, the Roald Dahl book. Okay. And I think he, either in the book it's dark or, or maybe they talk about it being grape flavored. And I remember th- I, I remembered having the thought, I want to get a grape soda so I can pretend it's George's Marvelous Medicine. Just like, yeah. and the feeling That's- of like, ooh, I'm going to pretend it's the medicine. Like a placebo, basically. Yeah. I'm going to drink it and it's going to make me feel it. And I believed it. And you're fucking a goddamn right it would make little Pete feel something. Because that belief was so real. And the excitement of like, I can't wait to pretend. It's important to remember that like a pirate's hat to a kid is super sure. empowering. <laughs> yeah. No, no. And look, to do what you do, you have to be more in touch with that than the average person. So that's why, you, but most people lose that I think entirely. Right. Well, that's in the intro to sign language, Seinfeld's book, because he just goes like, no, oh. don't, don't stop playing. Yeah. He's like, just don't stop playing. That's all All a comedian did was he didn't stop playing. I, this photographer came to my house once and he took a bunch of pictures of me for this thing he was doing. And then he sent me like a book of all, like a, a real book of all the photos. And mm. um, so it was like sitting on the on the shelf or whatever. And my kid took it. And he started reading it, and we we're like, "That's not a book. That's like <laughs> photos." But like, it, it's weird. It's also flattering. That's like his favorite book. Like when I'm out of town, he goes uh, and he gets that book, and he reads it. His dad. He reads it. But Get out of yeah, here! Yeah, and so you're like, "That's just so." The innocence of that is so sweet, and the purity right. of it is right. so sweet. Right. And then the yeah, like a book is anything you fucking want it to be. But that takes us back to the line at Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. And 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 I, I've said this before, but it's important, and it's in my book too. Is is like you can get more out of one tree at a botanical garden than walking around the whole thing and collecting it. Yeah. Like you're just Pac-Man. Yeah. Going through dots. Yeah. Pac-Man needs to ask himself, who put out these dots? Yeah. Why am I running from these ghosts? Why am I eating the ghosts? You know what I mean? Like, just ask yourself whose story. Which breadcrumbs are you following in the woods, to mix the metaphor? To go to the museum thing, there's this uh, awesome economist named Tyler Cowen, and he's this sort of weird savant, has a different view on every. And he was saying what you should do when you go to a museum. Don't go look at the things you're supposed to look at. He's like, case it like you're going to steal one painting. Ugh. And walk around the museum like you're an art thief. And you'll have a fundamentally different experience than everyone else in the museum. So, like, wow. what is what are people not paying attention to? Yeah. Like, what are the security guards doing? Like, how would yeah. you get this off the? Sh- and you're just like, oh, that's so cool. That, I think one of the reasons why we love heists is because they're deeply present people. Yes. If you think about Ocean's mm-hmm. Eleven, and they're like, there's one guy dealing blackjack who's blind in his right eye. Like yeah. that is the feeling of fascination and wonder is like one of the best feelings in the world. In fact. I, I I love mushrooms. I've taken mushrooms a bunch. And the fundamental feeling they give is you're like, this blanket? Like, you just can't yeah. get over it. What was I listening? Oh, I was reading a book where they were talking about there's a there's a science fiction book called Man Alive. And it was about a, a, a man who just, like, was that. He was so fascinated yeah. with everything. Yeah. We always love little stories. And, and they were saying that, like, 
he courted his wife seven times under different names because he never wanted to stop. Oh yeah, like the the thrill of new sure. love and infatuation and all that sort of stuff. Uh, anyway, that, that that came to mind. This also came to mind a, a little bit back. Was I was talking to my mom uh, about my book, and my book is about religion, but it's about losing my faith and all these different things, and then sort of re- repurposing and reclaiming it, whatever. And my mom was just sort of like, oh, I can't wait to give it to the pastor of her church. <laughs> and I think you know this feeling. You were talking about your f- parents' friends reading it independent of being your parents' friends. And yeah. I think that's beautiful. But there's also this – my mom has friends, church friends of hers watching Crashing. She's lost friendships because yeah. of my salacious show. Sure. And I always – like I try not to lose my temper, but I want to be like – and this is – I'm going to give it to you. I was like – it's not for the pastor. Right. This is for people who lost their faith. Yeah, right. You asked that question. Who are you writing it for? I'm writing it for people like me who lost their faith and are curious or maybe have a yearning for some sort of structure to the bigger questions of the world. That's who it's for. I don't want to give it to the pastor. Are you I don't mind if yeah. he reads it, but there's like something infant, infantilizing, infantilizing and offensive about my mom being like, I'll give it to the pastor. I'm like, don't do that. Well, does it bother you because that means she doesn't get it? Partially. Yeah. But I, I have to imagine that there's books that you've written and thing, ideas that you've shared that you're just like, I didn't write that from my mom's friend, Karen, yeah. or my aunt, or my dad. Like, I, I deal with this all the time. And again, I'm putting it back to you, but like, I have to tell my mom all the time, she's actually gotten much better. She's evolved, where I'm like, that's not for moms. I didn't make that for moms. We, I found be weird out weird if I did make that for you. <laughs> I, I found out my mom. So one of my books is Daily Stoic, and it's like this one page of Stoic philosophy every day. And there's like an Instagram account called Daily Stoic that is like quotes from it every day. And uh, so there's two things with my mom. One, uh, I was looking like people have created ripoff accounts, like you know Daily Stoic one, you know, like trying to or Daily Stoic with a dash, so they can like steal followers. Like I'm sure there's like Pete Holmes. There actually accounts. are, and I'm deeply offended. There are. <laughs> no, I'm but, just kidding. Maybe there so, are. I don't know. So I I was like looking at these accounts because I was going to try to maybe get them shut down or see what they were doing, and I noticed my mom followed one of them. Hilarious, but not the real. one. That is so funny, and I was like, so happy. Damn it! This is like it just takes you back to being like 12, and yeah. you're like. Like, I remember one time my mom got me, for Christmas, she got me a (laughs) Phoenix Suns windbreaker. Mm. And I was like, we live in Sacramento. I'm a Kings fan. What the fuck is this? You know, it was like, on the one hand, it was nice. But it was like, I almost wish you hadn't got me anything because you showed, like, have you not heard me? Dude, can I just say, first of all, thank you for... The vulnerability. Yeah. I don't think that was like too much no, to share. No. Or That's me going like, yeah. please don't ask yeah. that out. Don't overthink it. Because I have a million stories like that, and I still remain hurt. It's one of it's an Achilles heel of mine. If someone says something to me where I'm like, you don't know me, like this is a dumb example, yeah. but sometimes my uh, people that work for me will Instagram for me, yeah, because I don't know how to fucking post yeah. an MP4. Even, I've tried. Yeah. It's taken me nine. And I know computer. Like, I'm okay with computers. Like, I'm not yeah, great. Right. But I'm not an idiot. Sure. And I'm downloading different upload apps. And it always goes, like, wrong size, wrong file. And it's a five-hour endeavor. Yes. So, I, or a Tim Ferriss week. Yeah. <laughs> <work with. laughs> and I'm just like, I don't fucking, I can't. So I was like, wait, there are all these people that work with me. And I bet they do this sort of stuff. So I asked. And this is not a big deal. Yeah. So this is not to shame the person that did it. But, um... 
an episode of Crashing was airing on Friday instead of Sunday because of the Super Bowl. And the same person that worked with me was with me uh, maybe three days earlier where I was on James Corden's show. And the whole segment was about how I hate sports and I don't yeah. like sports and I and sports are dad things and I'm a mom guy and I like talking and why are you pretend fighting over a ball? Nothing nothing true groundbreaking, but that's yeah. me. I, I'm just not a sports person. And since I'm from Boston, it's such a sports place, I, I put a lot of my yeah. identity in the fact that I was like, I don't like sports. Right. I don't right. care about the Red Sox, the Yankees. You want me to say go Yankees? Hey, go Yankees. <laughs> right. I don't I couldn't sure. name a Red Sox. Uh, so anyway, I, I say, can you please post this video about uh, the thing airing on Friday? And he wrote, um, I'm going to be uh, watching my Patriots, my my beloved Patriots <laughs> on Sunday. And I was just like, I had to talk to Val about it. Yeah. I was like, there's what happened. And then then this is right up your alley. There's what happened. And then there's my interpretation of yes. what happened. And my interpretation talk about the inner child, was that daddy's not looking at me. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it it went right to, I don't feel loved. Mm -hmm. And I I, I don't feel seen. And that helps me uncover, like, a core value of mine is, like, I want want to be seen. Like, I want to be seen. Yeah. No, no. I I think I want to be seen, but I also want to be gotten. Like, I want you to get me. Right. So it takes me back to this, like, 11, 12-year-old where, like... My parents just didn't. They were like, "Who is this kid mm. living in our house?" Like, we know he's our son, but like, we, what's his deal? Were, were you kind of an out black? Yeah, she- not black not sheep, because like- I wasn't getting in trouble. But it yeah. was like, who? What, this kid is like not meshing with everyone else in the family. Yeah. You know? How many brothers? Sisters? Just one. Uh-huh. I have one Older? other, one younger sister. It's younger sister, and she's great. But she's like, there's a there's this concept of parent child fit, mm. and she fits with them perfectly. They have. They're much closer. I'm disturbed even knowing that there's something called a parent-child fit. Because of course yeah. there is. Yeah, you could have a you could be an introvert and you have some super extroverted kid and you're like, yeah. oh, I don't know what to do with this. We person. always joke if, if Leela grows up to be like a huge sports fan yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And I'm just like, great, fucking tear me down and make me into a volleyball fan. I don't That's give a shit. That's the thing. <laughs> I feel like I would get I, I don't feel like it would bother me. Yeah. Like I feel like I'd be like all right. Well, you'd that, like I'm love to this, transcend a, a beautiful logical theory. You hope that the heart can sort of yeah. envelop that, like the blob. And for whatever reason, it's very hard for them. Yeah. And so, and well, so, what did that look like? You're off in your room typing with your toes. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, I feel like I, I probably became a writer because I was like, "You guys don't get it. I'm going to go in my room and I'm going to type this out, and then everyone will understand." You are beautiful, and that is such a familiar feeling to me. When I was a kid, I would write my father letters. <laughs> Okay, there's a book you what have. What am I doing? There's this book you have to read. There's a book you have to read. If I'd known this, uh, Kafka wrote this thing. It was called Letter. It, he wrote this long letter to his father. He had this very domineering father, as I was saying, and he never felt like he got him. He, had, he suffered from this sort of imposter syndrome his whole life. His mm-hmm. father was very wealthy. His writing career struggled. You know, he wasn't appreciated in his lifetime. But he wrote this like super long letter to his dad. And then, sorry, just to be clear, Kafka was unappreciated. The yes, dad was not. An the author. dad was just a rich businessman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he wrote this long letter, and he showed it. He showed it to his mom, or showed it to someone. He's like, "I'm going to send this to dad." And they were like, "You cannot send this to dad under any circumstances." <laughs> but uh, it was discovered after his death, and it's been published as "Letter to My Father." And it's like anyone. It sounds like we have similar dads. Really? You wow. Love it. Um, I lo- well, dude, I, I'm sorry I'm talking so much. I'm just no. so excited to, to talk with you. I I sometimes have to question like what are you doing like I make a TV show sometimes my dad texts me like I had no idea we had so much in common Peter and I'm like 
I guess that's part of what you I was going you for after. eighteen years. That, How but, did you not see? You understand? Yeah, my. You'd think I would go. I've done it. Yeah, I've got the old man's attention. Right, but really, I just go. You lived with me. Yeah. for eighteen years, and there's like a pettiness where I'm just like the same magical boy that you're understanding now used to be in the car with you. Ah, yes. boy, that's hurtful. No, and and look, I think one <laughs> one of the reasons I think it's hurt. One of the reasons I think it's hurtful is it's like now other people get you and see you. Yeah, and so you're like, it's not that hard. It why it's not that hard. Yeah, and and it it so you 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 want it from your dad, but you want it twenty years ago. That's so funny. And you can't have it 20 years ago. Yeah, what a dumb want to create. My, to wife, have, my wife says, that's, we'll get in fights and she'll like apologize. You know, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. Whatever it is. Like, like In the rare cases, she, she was actually wrong and she admits she was wrong. <laughs> uh, but then, then I'm still mad. You know? And I'll, so I'll be, argue, I'll be like continuing to you litigate it. it. And, and she'll be like, <laughs> what? She'll be like, what do you want? You know? And... And then it's like, I want this not to have happened. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. a, that's a totally unfair thing to push to right. someone because it, it did happen. But it's it very can't human, be un- though. Yeah. It's the, it's the stuff of like a weird uh, science fiction movie or something. Yes. It's like, because it's very human. It's, it's almost romantic that our brains or our hearts, let's say, want these things. Yeah. I, I want my dad to, to go like, basically what I said to Leela, you're so welcome here. I'm so yeah. excited. <laughs> Yeah. I did feel welcome right home, but like we can't rewrite it. And this is why there's so many time travel movies. And this, you know what I mean? Like we need it. We well, want what, it. I, what I struggle with though is that I, and then on top of it, I struggle with like guilt that this is all very like first worldy. Like my parents never beat me. They love me. Yeah, they yeah, did yeah. encourage me to do what I like. It's not like they were like, don't be a writer. You'll be a failure. Right. You my know? parents let me be a comedian. It's yeah. even weirder. Yeah. And, and they, they are watching their show, you know? And, yeah, they, know. and, but it's like, still, you just wanted you wanted this thing when you were thirteen that yeah. doesn't seem like it was that hard, yeah. Um, and yeah. So I I just I have like some. Actually, I, I got this. Uh, I mean, he's talked about it on a lot of podcasts, but he talked about it on yours when Judd Apatow talks about how the movie stu- he was interpreting everything the movie studio did to him as his divorcing parents, like trying to <laughs> boss him around. <laughs> You know, and and I, yes. so I, I, that was a huge breakthrough for, for me to hear because, like, it's like, no, my, like, I turned in this book and my editor doesn't get it. Mm. She, like, she does get it. You know, she just wants it to be a little bit this way or that way, or she has this note or that note, or, or maybe she doesn't get it. Right. But she doesn't. First off, it's not her fucking job to get me as a, on the DNA level of being a human being right. and accept me unconditionally. Right. Um, but also, I'm not 13, and even if she doesn't get it, like I'm fine. You know right. what I mean? But you, you, th- that inner child is like so raw, and it's right there. I've I've been dealing with that in real time lately. I went back to therapy. I just I, I've been too busy. Yeah, I, it sucks to that self-help i've also been so good to be honest sure like i sort of felt like set there were days i could have gone but i didn't feel it and then i sort of had some of this parent stuff kick up and we were talking about like the the need to like not care as much about like what people think and yeah and speaking your truth i was like well if i said that for example to my father he'd be mad and my therapist is just like who cares right maybe you don't talk for a while yeah he's like but it'll feel good to share your truth or whatever and i was like I catch myself being the little boy that goes, I can't do that. Whereas catch me talking, giving someone else advice about the same situation. Ooh, 
I don't think there's a better Pete than a Pete that wants to slay giants, yeah. kill vampires, reclaim freedom. And it, and I think I've heard you say something like this, is that it's because I'm not great at it in my own life that I know how to That's true. rail to other people. But it's also... And and I'm I'm the same way. And I actually just started going back to therapy like two months ago for the same reasons. Is it, that right? Yeah, it's just I think you get it handled and then it bubbles back up, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, oh, I think the more good you are, the more it glares. Yeah, sure. It's like this like little, it's a tilted picture frame, and you're just like, can I just? It's well, a the beautiful more, painting, can I just get it level? The more like sort of finely tuned the machine is, the more now you can hear new problems That's or right. you know new. But, yeah, we have nice – and I, I talk about your first world things. Like, we're driving the nice new car, and if you listen really carefully, there's like a ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding, yeah. ding, 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 And I'm like, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. And it sucks. Yeah, yeah. And, but you went back to therapy. Yeah, I did, and it's it's been good. And But I, I just feel – it's like like it didn't – no one beat me. I have most of what I want. I'm, I'm happy. I'm good. And then so I feel like I, – I feel guilty – being mad about it, yeah. you know, or that I'm holding on. I wish I could just magically like get rid of it all, um, but I can't. So I wonder if we do though. Let's explore that a little bit because I'm like, if I could flip a switch and it would just be like, let's resolve this. Uh, yeah, I'd love to flip that switch. And then I noticed something like, um, we just had a podcast where I railed against this, uh, and it was one of our best. And here I am talking with you about it, and I'm like, which one was it? Coming alive, Matt Nathanson. Okay, it was incredible. It was all just about parent stuff. And then sometimes I, I, when I come home from Boston, and I've just been in that pressure cooker, I have like the best set of my life or something, and I'm like, sure. There's this weird sort of like Hulk doesn't like getting angry, but when he does, boy, look at him climb that building. You know what I'm saying? Or, or Peter Parker doesn't like the radioactive spider. But if he needed to keep getting, it's like, I, I'm like yeah. Peter Parker, but I have to keep getting bit every time I turn into Spider-Man. Yeah, but, it, but I don't know. And look, and maybe it. I mean, I tell myself that like the reason I'm going through it now, and my therapist talked to me about that because you have a kid, all the stuff is coming back up because yeah. you're seeing it again. Yeah, and so it's like when my parents came and they left on this trip, it was like. I saw my kid cry because grandma and grandpa were there and now they're not there. Mm. And it was like, oh, this must have been like I was eight and I wanted to do something, but my parents had some, they needed to go to Clovis or whatever, you know? And, <laughs> and I didn't want to go to Clovis. You know what I mean? It's yes. like, it, you're like, you see it from a, you see it, like you're saying how you, you can give other people good advice. When you have a kid, you can see the world, you can see your, you can see your inner child objectively in the world wow. like now i know like you have i know inner, what a two-year-old is. child there. i have a two-year-old so i i i don't remember what it feels like to be two but i know now like what's appropriate or not appropriate mm-hmm. to do about a child so i think back to things that happened to me around that time and i'm like that was insane yeah. what were you people doing i'm so happy to hear you say that because people are all like when you have a kid these people i don't relate to when you have a kid Peter, you'll see it'll make you love your parents even more and i'm like uh, I found the opposite to be true. <laughs> Maybe you have to go through a valley, and so you have to resolve some. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you just have to resolve this, like you know, cabinet full of shit, you yeah, know. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, now we're good, and now let's just enjoy your golden years together, right? You know? Yeah. But there is, yeah, you're just like, what? Were, what is wrong with you people? That's the right. Talk. I would never do that to a two year old. Right. What were you thinking? Right. I'm, I'm fortunate that I have a brother that I can talk. Yeah. We've gotten closer. See, that's another reason why I wouldn't necessarily get rid of it. Yeah. Because I call my brother, and we have these really emotional talks where I'm like, I just want you to know that, like. 
I witness what happened. Yeah, like, with sure. You. Like, yeah. And, and again, you're not crazy. Yeah, no, no real uh, physical abuse or anything like that, and and nobody was an overt asshole. It's just life is so complicated. We say on the podcast all the time, your shit is your shit. You, yeah. Like you can always go, I didn't have this, or I didn't have that, or I didn't have that, but. What's weird about the the subjective human experiences is your stuff matters. That's why yeah. when a kid is flipping out, that issue, even though it seems so stupid to us, that's his Clovis. From a really elevated place, you'd go like, uh, yeah, your stuffed animal that you left in the bookstore in New Hampshire doesn't really happen. doesn't matter. Yeah. But it does matter to him because there's all these things in the human heart that are begging for expression. It's one of the... This is why there's music and poetry. They need to be. Yeah. So when I, I, I haven't read all of it, I, I basically got all of your books and read little bits of them because I it was like three days I ago. I don't feel very seen. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I've had three days. <laughs> so I was like, what I'm going to do is I'll read a, a yep. little bit of as many as I can and listen to some of you. Um, but the idea that the the obstacle is the way is a, is a great, and it's a tattoo you have, I understand. Mm-hmm. When I, I was like, well, that's interesting. What is my biggest obstacle? And my biggest obstacle in my life is is these feelings of familial stuff. Yeah. And then I was like, I wonder what you would say about, you know, about this being the way. No, being, f- coming from a very similar, like, I'm I'm not, I don't have cancer. You know, I didn't lose my leg. I didn't come from the inner, like, so, yeah. so we, we're, I think first what you, you're like, okay, this is like a very privileged, pro- that doesn't make it not real, yep. but it, this is like very cushy obstacle. Let's check our privilege. Well, no, not even that. Just like, let's just be grateful that like, that's the, that's the extent of the uh, problem in front of you. Okay. Like, like, uh, you go back. 50 years you're the you know you're going through all of that and you're worried about having to land at d-day yeah you know know. what i mean like it's just all or like like and i I talk about the stoics a lot it's like marcus realis went through all of this and he was worried about the plague yeah you know so it's like it's just okay this is much more manageable not only is it more manageable but then what i take some strength and confidence in is like i'm descended from people all of us are. We wouldn't be alive. Descended from people who got through all of that shit. Yeah, we wouldn't like. We come from an unbroken chain of of survivors of survivors of the worst pot like shit yeah. shit that we cannot even conceive how well, you awful talk about it was. Marcus Aurelius perhaps writing on the on the front lines in a tent. Yes, of a war. Yeah, and I'm you're in the room I write in. And yeah, there's a sauna. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. Like I wrote that in a, an apartment in New York City, you yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. living my dream. Not, but I uh, see. Okay, there's the stuff that we fill our lives with, and then there's like our inner worlds, and our inner worlds are valid. And so we're talking about the the 14th century Christian yeah. that wrote that thing. Similar themes are happening, and we have more time. This isn't a plea for sympathy yeah. for us, but we have have more time to navel gaze. Yes, caught that. But navel gazing isn't some, it's not a hobby. It's like the fucking core of the existential crisis of existence. Yeah. So, on one hand, we like watching movies about wars. And even when you manufacture, like when you watch uh, Vice, when you build a war and you market a war, yeah. we love having clear cut. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm going to cut that guy's head and then we'll, we won. That's right. why we like sports and stuff. You could almost have pity for the fact that you and I are in this room with Asana and I'm going like... That we've been deprived of that uh, 
excitement and meaning and well, what is chance it? to and, be heroic. And, and also yeah. just the clear-cutness. Cut sure, sure, sure. I think a lot of people I've heard tell of people coming back from war and being like they just don't understand. Like there was something going on that, that pleased their, their need for meaning. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, Pascal has this line. He says, uh, all, of man's human- all of humanity's issues stem from his inability to sit in a room alone. And, <laughs> and we have to sit in rooms alone more than our ancestors ever really did. I mean, we That's have to. Interesting. But like, like well, look we don't have we're... to go fight in a war. So we're in but our do... office working a lot. And so look at the technology yeah. that we've developed to solve well, that of course. stuff. Yeah. I was just peeing <laughs> before you got here. And I before I did, went to the living room where my phone was just to get it to bring to the bathroom just to check my email while I was being. Why? Sure. Right. No, because you didn't want two seconds of aloneness. Two well, seconds. And there's books and there's quotes on the wall yeah. and there's pictures. And there's also just the infinite phenomenon of being that I could be enjoying. And, you know, it's funny is I'm like, so I'm trying not to... I'm t- I told myself you're either going to take Instagram off your phone I or that. you're going to stop looking at it. Yeah. Cuz cuz I could. Yeah. And I was like it's it's just a little bit easier when I have to Instagram something sure. which happens to leave it on there. So that's the there's probably an addicted part of my brain that goes like so you know just sure. We'll just keep the cocaine in the cupboard. Yeah, right. And we'll do it on Fridays. <laughs> and I'm like all right addict. Um so I'm negotiating when really I should be f- firm. Anyway, um so I'm not looking at Instagram. I'm yeah. not looking at Twitter or Facebook or anything. So all I really have are is is my email, and I didn't yeah. have any email. So I looked at it, and then I was just like, "What do I do with this now?" Yeah. But th- let's take this back yeah. to the the issue is that yeah. we can't sit alone, so we made these things to. to yeah. No, and I, I was just saying. So step step one, like, let's be a little bit grateful that the inner shit that we're dealing with is not that is not Check. as bad as it could be. It's sol it's solvable. Right. It's squishier, but it's solvable. And I I think the next thing is like. Well, what what are you going to do with this pain or suffering or difficulty? So, like, is it going to make you closer with your brother? Is it going to make you a better father? Yeah. Is it? it can, well, absolutely. The, right. Yeah. Go keep. But going. not absolutely. Not, it, that's uh, not, not absolutely. true for most people. Right. My, most people, what they went through is the excuse they have for why hurt they people, suck. Hurt people. Yeah, yeah, and why. You know, the Buddhists have this idea of, uh, I think it's samsara or samsara. samsara. Yeah, the unbroken chain of basically like the wheel. pain. Yeah, the we, wheel. That's yeah. what we're in. We're in yeah. samsara right now. Yeah, and so how do you how do you just break that, you know? And like, yeah. how do you not, like, like maybe one way to find meaning in, in what we both struggle with is like, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pass that. I'm not going to pass this version of that on to this innocent That's right. child. That's right. Um, yeah, it's trying. It's interesting. There's two things. We can grow and change. And then there's also a lot of value in making something into a story that has a, that has a purpose. Yeah. So that's another way to derive meaning from it. Again, yeah. Rob Bell comes up for the ninth time, but I guess he's on my mind today. The idea of the, the time that your car breaks down and you have to change the tire in the rain and you walk to the gas station and all these things that you hate. Yeah. Uh, two nights later at a cocktail party becomes like the joy of the evening. Sure, I, This is what I do for a living. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no. Uh, r- r- I started as this research assistant for this author named Robert Green, and he was he's sort of been like a surrogate father to me, and he taught me how to be a writer, and he really did see me. And uh, last night I interviewed him at this thing, and um, he he the advice he gave me early on, and he was he was saying it's like it's all material. He's like the uh-huh. joy of this profession is that. 
the shittiest thing that possibly could happen to you. Yeah. All the all of it um, getting screwed over, getting hurt, or messing up. At the end of the day, it all makes you better at what you're doing. That's right. If you use it as material, and so right. that that's some. It's like it gives the, it, that is meaning. Yeah. If yeah. I if I if I and again, this is like this is this is the worst. This is the least bad kind of adversity to have gone through, but. If I'd gone through literally zero adversity, what would I have to say? I would have yeah. nothing to write about. I'd right. have no perspective. I'd have... Well, I told HBO, I was like, so my parents are sort of, uh, I don't want to say plaguing, but they're kicking around my subconscious a lot lately. Yeah. When I get up to pee at four in the morning, it's some weird thought about them the, these past weeks. And then I go into HBO and I'm like, well, season four, we would tell this story about my parents. And I, and I was even like, there's sort of this thing that I wish would happen and we could write about that and like sort of fantasize and all these, it's alchemy. Yeah. It's, it's a way of being an alchemist. Somebody, uh, there's so many ways and you're so fascinating to kind of, I feel like we could talk about anything. Uh, so I want to be careful. All right. (laughs) To not waste time. Okay. I, I, I'm sure people are like, someone taught you how to be a writer. You love writing, um, but it's so daunting to people. And writing, I have this theory that most people think they could be writers is because writing seems like thoughts and everybody yeah. has thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> so if like everyone it. thinks they could be a writer and every writer definitely thinks they can write children's books. That is so funny. <laughs> the zebra lost his stripes. Right. One day, Tobias woke up, white as the snow. Where are your stripes to buy? I'm actually pretty good at it. Yeah. I'm invested. Comedians, I think, I mean, I bet you could, you could pull it off. But like, uh, yeah, everyone thinks they can, they can do this thing. And Children's books are definitely gym of the high school. <laughs> like everybody's Except like, for oh, the people who are fucking amazing I at know, it. You I know. know. Every once in a while you get a Jack LaLanne. <laughs> yeah, or, or BJ Novak. Like, I mean, he's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to write a children's book and it's not going to have any pictures in it. And yeah. that's the whole conceit. Like, oh, you're just like a, operating on a whole other level. That's just a brilliant idea. Yeah. So what did you, one of the questions I like to ask on the podcast is what is the greatest lesson you've learned about writing or, or alternatively, what is your process? I think it's so interesting. Here, I don't know if you saw on the door, Val wrote a sign that says the Hemingway house because we found out that Ernest Hemingway had a house separate from his house. Oh, yeah. This is a garage. Yeah. But the idea that, you know, architecture can help us with sure. the, the process of like, when I'm in here, I do the podcast or I, I'm writing. And when I'm in there, I'm not doing those yeah. things. And it helps me sleep and it helps me not bring the work home. This is what a foyer is. Yeah. Um, what, tell me everything. Um, Just whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think process and ritual is very underrated as a as a means of. I think people don't understand that sort of. That it's like, oh, you're you could go to a coffee shop and just sit there and write. And it's like, no, it's for me. It's like this whole process. And and I have two places that I write. I either write upstairs at our house, um, or or we have another house. We we live out on the country or on the country on this little sort of farm ranch thing. And and really, yeah. I love uh, it. Uh, and where in, in outside Austin? In outside Austin? Yeah, yeah. And then we have a place in town, and we we, we go back and forth. What do you mean in town? In Austin? In in the city? Yeah. Uh huh. And so uh, usually, if I'm if I'm staying at the farm, then I drive out to the house in town, and I write. So it's like a process of it's a commute. I take my right. daycare, and then I go, and then I'm at work. I'm struck when I drive to the we write yeah. the crashing at, at Judd's office. Yeah. And that hour and a half. It's an hour and a half. I sort of love it. It's like yeah. it's like the Hulk slowly growing green. Yeah, and uh, like I'm, but in the morning I go for a long walk, and and like so it's 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 I'm getting into the place where then I can 
go and sit down and write. Wait, so you drive there, it, then it, you go for a No, walk? in the morning I go for a long walk with my kid and uh, while my wife catches up on sleep and then, then I start the, the writing day. That's what Val and I are doing. Yeah. Like I'll get up, she'll get up in the night. Yes. We've been doing this this week. And so I really, I'm winning. Yeah. But we don't always do this. It's because I have this and all these other things to do today, blah, blah, blah. But so I'll get up at like five with the baby. Yeah. And then it's five to 10. Okay. It's just five uninterrupted. Yeah. It's the best part of my day. I'm not quite that, uh, uh, sharing She's the load quite that much. Well, but there's a four month old baby. Yes. And I'm not that busy right now. Yeah. But, but so I'm sort of getting into the headspace and then I'm, then I'm sitting down and writing. Um, I think. You, you asked like what I learned most about writing. I think it's a, I think routine and ritual is ritual. very important. Like find your thing that you get into the space. And the way that LeBron James has music that he listens to and a pregame ritual. You know you got to have that. Yeah. Um, but I think that I think the problem with writing is most people want to be writers. They don't like have something to say. <laughs> you know, like they they like the idea of Hemingway. You could replace that with be famous. Yes. and have nothing to say. Yeah. Conan told me that. People come up to him and say, I'm going to be on your show. And he's like, what do you do? And they're like, I I don't do anything. Right. One day, you'll see. Yeah. Fucking figure out what you want to do. Yes. What a weird thing to say. Yes. But yeah, I'm Uh, right there with you. Bruce Dickinson is the lead singer of Iron Man. He said fame is the the excrement of creativity. Wow. uh, Which I love. And and so you have to like, what is it, whether you're writing an article or a tweet or a book, like what is it that you're saying and have... 500 other people said this shit before you yeah. know like are do you have something original and new to take to say is it going to be polarizing in some way you know like it, yeah. is this something that i like to say like um is this something that only you can say hmm. and and if it if if it isn't then you need to i'm not saying you can't write about that thing but you have to go deeper into it because you're not like you're not that's there yet i have a couple things about that one that's how i came up with crashing yes. was i was i was desperate and I was, uh, my talk show was canceled and I was just like, well, what is it that only you can say? Like, finally it got through yeah. to me what every guidance counselor stereo cliche had ever said. Like, what can you, only you yeah. do? And I was like, well, this story. Okay, then we did it, which is great. Um, but my book is filled with things that other people have said. It's, it's, yes. it's filled with 70% me. Yeah. But then there's a, an important 30, and I know you're going to agree with, this is not the debate. My books are like 99% not me. Yeah, I know. Yes. I actually yes. love that about yeah. your books. So I know you're going to agree with this, but then I consider it's a spiritual book. It's a book about like soul consciousness in there. And then I go, part of the message is the medium is that it's a comedian saying this. Yeah. So Ramdas could write this book. Ramdas arguably has written this book, Um, but it's a different section and it's a Mm -hmm. different guy. So you go like, is it possible that somebody might get turned on to these very liberating ideas because it's me. It's a clown saying, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, well, I no, I, what I was going to like, like, uh, I forget which episode it is, but you know, on, on crashing your pitching, uh, was it homeschool yeah. the TV show? Like, so, so most people, that's what they do. They're like, what would be a funny idea for a show or yeah. a book? They're yeah. like, I want you know, but crashing is the thing that only Pete Holmes could do. Right. Right. Because you're the only, you have a, you have this weird story, you, you know, right. you're, you're <laughs> you, you got married young and then you divorced and then you have this crisis of faith. That's like comedians are, that's comedians are people who don't have faith. Like that's, right. that's the, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? And so you pick the thing. That's that what's on, so funny. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's so right. you pick the thing that only you could do and that's why it stands out and that's right. why it's unique. And also that's why you're willing to do all the work 
You know, I think that's what people. It's not just like, hey, this will this is a better marketing tool, or this will create something. Right. But it's like books suck. Like, it, I'm sure a TV show like you're doing hours that like as a writer, I'd be like, no, no amount of money is worth that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, we're shooting till three in the morning. You know, right, and I was like, right, fuck right, that. Right, right. You know, I definitely benefit from the glowing ember of this is important to me. Yes, you have to have yeah. like if you're like look, look, I know you don't like sports, but lots of I people, love sports movies, love sports analogies, but lots of people <laughs> want to be. A, want to be a rich, famous athlete. Yeah. That's not what gets you through two a days or through uh, a coach screaming in your face or all the rejection. Two games in a day? No, no, no. In, in football, uh, in, in, in preseason, uh, or, or sorry, in, 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 in training camp, you have two practices a day in like the heat of summer. So like, oh, wow. so like people who come from the South who play football, like just imagine like two two-hour practices per day in the Alabama humidity and heat. Like, you have to fucking love football. It has to be... It has to be art to you. Right. And it has to be a way out to you and something you're pouring everything into or you're just like, fuck this, nothing is worth this, you know? And so... um, like on a book, like it's a year, sometimes two year journey. Robert Greene's last book took seven years. Like mm. if you don't, if there, if you don't, was he in it, Tibet? <laughs> no, if you don't have that, it has to be way more than a glowing ember. You know, it has right, to be right. like this is the most important thing. There has to, to be a garbage fire out yeah. your window, <laughs> or, or you're gonna you're gonna quit. Right they, in, in the startup world, they have they say like you have the idea, you launch it. And you get like the glow of attention space, and then they say you immediately enter the trough of despair, mm. which is like all the sh- all it. Oops, it was way harder than we thought. Oops, all the people who said they were going to support us, they backed out. You know, like mm-hmm. you and and so with a book, it's like you sell the proposal, and you're like, that's exciting. They give you all the, they give you a fourth of the money up front, yeah, you know, yeah. and you're like, yes, and then you're <laughs> like. All the things I said I was going to be able to do in the proposal may, in fact, be impossible. Yeah. And do I care enough that I'm going to come up with a totally new way to do this? Yeah. And no one is checking in on me. No one cares whether I succeed or Only you'll or care. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, actually, all your friends want to hang out. And your wife is wondering why you're late at the op. You know, like right. all. And so if you don't care about this more than just about anything, because, again, not because you think it's going to make you a lot of money, but because... It's such a stupid fucking narrative. In the second season of Crashing, yeah. I caught myself going, you're making a lot of money. Yeah. And my dick went inside my body. <laughs> it was like one of the saddest moments. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to be like, mm, no. how dare you laugh? It was yeah. so sad. No, it's fucking funny. Yeah. And I was like, that is pathetic. And it was not a good... I couldn't run the machine on that fuel. Well, what I always tell writers is like, you already picked the worst way to make money. Yeah. So <laughs> like, and even like people, like the odds of making it where you made it are way lower than whatever it would take to study hard in school and uh, get a programming degree or a finance degree and work at Google for a starting salary of 250000 or, you know, a, a Wall Street, a Goldman Sachs salary of 300000 Yeah. And just chill for the rest of your life. Like, yeah. I'm not saying those jobs aren't hard. Yeah. But they but if are, you the odds... Be practical. ...are way easier to right. do one of those things. And and the the average income is much higher. Right. So if you, that's, yes. you chose this thing. When you chose this thing, you, whether you knew it or not, you were saying you made a... You, 
you revealed that money is not the most important thing right. to you. That's see, that's so helpful to me because when I I heard you, I read you say say that somewhere else, or say it somewhere else, and I loved it. And I was like, I'm often my behavior is indicating what's important to me better than I can tell you. Yeah. So your Saturday test, right? Yeah. What I do on Saturday is I, I keep my phone off and I don't look at my email. And uh, Val and I try and spend some time in nature. It's very similar to what I heard you say yeah. yours is. Um, we go out to eat. We yeah. like get one right. amazing meal mm-hmm. that we take, like European style. And you're not rushed? We're there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And to quote you, no one's telling us what the fuck to do. Right. And there's nothing on the plan. Yeah, the We're calendar not is empty. There's no alarm. Yeah. And there's no, if we don't get to that restaurant by this time, we can't get... There's nothing like that. It's a stroll and it's a baby, and right. it's a meal, and then the rest of the day is bullshit, and maybe maybe we'll want to do this or that or this. Well, it doesn't matter. Um, but then I was like, I wondered what you would say to this. There's things that I don't want to do that make me feel 10, 10 times better in a different way. Okay. They're like uh, cocaine. Okay. Doing stand-up – I've never done cocaine, but yeah. I'm just saying stand-up is like cocaine. And whenever I do it, the thrill of having done it I'm like, I feel this ecstasy that I wouldn't elect for on my favorite Saturday. Oh, do you have to go let them in? Yeah. I was, I mean, you didn't oh, I'm sorry. Is it 1130? No, it's 1130. Can I, can I take a, can I go to the bathroom? Yeah, let's take a break. <laughs> anyway. Okay. We're yes. back. We peed. Um, I peed. You pee? I did. Yeah. Okay, great. Me too. <laughs> um, I thought of another way to put what I was saying because okay. Val and I talk about it a lot. Val, I love Val to death. You met her. And she's a hobbit. We talk about how she's a hobbit and she wants to be in the Shire. Her vice is comfort, right? I, I'm somewhat like that too. Yeah. I have a little bit of the adventurer in me, obviously, as well. The achiever that wants to climb the mountain and slay the dragon and all that stuff. Um, and I can even enjoy the peril that's involved in that. I think you said something in one of your books like the thrill of a crisis. Yeah. Even that can be fun. Um, so... When it comes to what I need, I don't always trust myself. And what I always think of is there was a time when I was terrified of roller coasters, and I would go on one despite myself, and I would love the roller coaster. Okay. So if I were to model my life after my Saturday, it would be very, very comfortable. But then I'm like, what part of my subconscious needs wouldn't be met by main Pete, forefront, conscious Pete? His idea might not actually be what I want. So my Saturday is a little bit less comfortable. So like I I like do some form of heavy exercise. I do what 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 I tend to find happen is it's like a chill day. I don't have to do anything, and then I'll be like I got to go upstairs for a little bit, and I'll come down an hour later, and I'll have something that will have come out writing wise that wouldn't have come out otherwise. Mm. So it's it, like it's still a pretty productive day for me. Like yeah. it's still a good day. See, it's that's brilliant. So, so I, I guess I'm not like on and off. Like what I'm trying to get is like, how could I have like every day be like just the right day rather than like, I kind of don't like my week. And then like Saturday's like the opposite of my week. Yeah. Um, I but just I had the image of you doing a cannonball into a quarry. That's how great and liberating that idea is. Yes. Cause my favorite day starts with me writing in that quiet, part of the morning where everyone's asleep and you did something brilliant before breakfast is my favorite day. Yes, because then the rest of the day is winning. That's like, right. Like it's all bonus. That's why you work out in the morning because yes. it starts the momentum of a, of a productive day. Yeah. And so um, I try to have most of my days be like that. Yeah. Um, and look, there. I, I'm not but saying... But see, that, that's I, next level thinking about what it is you want and need. 
Okay. I mean, but every day can't be a Saturday, right? Because, like, look, one of those Saturdays, Saturdays, you have to pay your taxes. And other days, <laughs> you know, like, there's all sorts of shit you don't want to do in life. Right. But I guess what I'm trying to get away from is, like, what are all these things that I'm – no one is telling me I have to do this thing, and I don't actually have to do this thing, but I – I'm doing it because I didn't say no. Like someone yeah. was like, hey, do you want to have coffee? And I was like, I don't want to have coffee. But right. I said yes. Right. Or they were like, my cousin wants to be a writer. Can you buy, he buy you lunch? At least that, yeah, at least that. <laughs> it's more like someone's like, oh, I want to write this book and I'd like you to work on it. And I have no interest in working with this person. But they're like, and it would pay X. And I'm like, <laughs> that would be irresponsible to say no to. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and so, or, or like, I, I got greedy or I got short sighted or I was, I, I actually had like something I was struggling with in my writing and doing this thing was easier. You know, like, yeah, so, avoiding. so yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, Every day isn't perfect. And like, like, uh, although the free sort of creative early in the morning writing is, is, uh, where lots of great stuff comes from, a lot of writing days are a grind, you know, like they're, it, it was a really hard problem that you had to solve by spending a lot of time on it. Yeah. And so every day isn't going to be perfect. But I think the point is we make choices that take us away from that ideal day. They make the ideal day impossible. Yeah. And then we wonder why those days are rare. <laughs> you know, we're like, it's like, you don't have chill Saturdays because you agreed, like, it was like, I agreed to too many speaking gigs. Right. And so I'm never fucking at home. And right. then I'm like, I miss home. And it's like, no one forced me to do that. Right. That's a powerful thought is like, it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning. Who told you that you had to do that? The people that I admire, there's a lot of people that I admire. Uh, Neil Brennan comes to mind. He made the Chappelle show. Yeah. Neil is just like a, no. Yeah. Seinfeld's that way too. I'm sorry to keep bringing up Seinfeld, but he's very like, no. But I've heard, Se- <laughs> I've heard Seinfeld talk about this because Seinfeld's on the road a lot. He doesn't need the money. Yeah. And he's talked about how... And I've, I've heard other comedians talk about it. I think writers and comedians uh, have, share similar afflictions in life. But he's talked about, he's like, would my dad be, like, let's say, he's, I, don't, I don't know what he gets paid for a gig, but like, like, he's getting offered a year of his dad's salary to do one hour of work. Yeah. And it feels really irresponsible and reckless. He says that. Yeah, or he said it, he was like, would my dad say no to flying to Atlantic oh, City to I do had this the thing. wrong idea on sign. I mean, maybe he's gotten there now, yeah. but and it, I'm sure it's easier when you've made billions of dollars. But, but he's still going. It's irresponsible to say no to this I, money. I think I, th- I've I think heard a lot say of something similar that. too, where he's like, "I have an." It's in the movie Comedian where he goes, "I have this image of what a comedian's supposed to be, and I'm always trying to live up to that yeah. image." The therapist would say, "Well, who made that image?" Right. And it is just an image. Yeah. And he seems. When I watch comedians in cars, he seems pretty liberated. Yes, in a guy that's just like no, yeah. They want. They were I like, think he does. Why yeah. don't you do another TV show? I don't want. Right, <laughs> right. But why are you doing comedians in cars? You, you want to, well, but that's the part of me that's like. Sometimes I'm just not the best judge of what gets me euphoria. Yeah, it, it, it's hiding somewhere saying. in a room, and I go, I know kind of how to get it, and then every once in a while. You know what's a good example? And I hope uh, uh, Matt wouldn't mind me saying it. I just said Matt Nathanson was maybe the best You Made It Weird of all time, yeah. potentially. And when I booked him, I didn't know who he was. And I almost canceled because I was like, 
I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not in the mood to like, I knew nothing about him, so it yeah. wasn't personal. I wasn't like, I don't want to like fucking start from zero. Yeah. You know what I mean? I hadn't listened to much of his stuff. I, 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 it's not like I was a huge fan of his work or knew his life. And then he left and I said to Val, I was like, this is the roller coaster all over again. I almost canceled the best podcast we've ever done. No, I think about that a lot. Like there's, if you, it's like a super viral article and a bunch of people are credited with it, but it's this idea of like, you either say fuck yes or you say no. Mm. If you're like, that's oh, the standard. Wow. Yeah. And so that's, it, on the surface, that's obviously a great way to live your life, yeah. right? Yeah. And then I think about all the things, like I dropped out of college to become a writer. I was not like, fuck yes, I'm going to do this. I'm like, this is a whole, I didn't think I should do it. I was terrified. Yeah, yeah, I did yeah. it anyway. It was yeah. the roller coaster yeah, thing. Yeah. And so I almost all the big things that transformative moments in my life, were I was not were like, conflicted about. Yes. Yeah. I was like, I jumped and then I was immediately trying to claw back. Yeah. You know to what I undo say? It. Fuck yes. I say, fuck you. You don't know. <laughs> right. You don't always know what you want. And it's stupid to think like our psyches and our deep needs and our soul needs are like so much more complicated and messy than like fuck yeah i want to go to six flags like yeah i i i have so many examples of things that i was like i don't know if i want to do that show yeah. do i really want to do a benefit at this fuck and then i go and i i meet a hero of mine or, or something happened that if i had just stayed in the shire yeah i wouldn't have done it so that, it's just an interesting yeah idea. but like but then it's like, like I hate being on the phone. Like I just hate talking. I on the hate phone. being on the phone. <laughs> I would rather die than answer my phone. Did we just become best friends? I think we did. That is like a stepbrothers <laughs> yes. moment. I hate the phone. Yeah. Val, Val, and I. One of our relationship features: no phone. Yeah. I'll call her every once in a while and just be like, I like hearing your voice, but I do not want to. Chat I like talking about my wife. I just don't like That's people true. like. Oh, I let's mind. let's get on the like. Uh, they'd be like, Hey, I have this idea. I want to run by you. Like, let's get on the phone for like fifteen minutes. And it's like yeah. I'd rather like slam my hand in the door. Like I, I don't. I completely want, agree. So I'm like, like I just like I basically just don't get on the phone with anyone that's not paying me money. Like you I know, that's my agree. thing. And a conference call, yes, I think might just be hell. I think that's hell. Yeah, looking for your way in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's Pete. Um, yeah, I like fucking. Let's kill ourselves. Right. So I just I I don't I just don't like. There's stuff I do like want to that. clarify because I'm sensitive. I do like talking to Val on the phone. Yeah, and we'll Facetime. It's different, but yeah, you, know, you get it. And wait till your kid's a little older, then that you can will, FaceTime. Yeah, That's yeah. like the best. That makes sense. Um, when I see people FaceTiming yeah. on the street, I'm like, what are you doing? That's yeah. for children. That's <laughs> right. when you miss your children. Yes. And or sex. people in very codependent <laughs> relationships, I'm yeah. sure. But yes. Oh, I just want to look at you getting the fuck out of my face. But yeah, so I, there's just shit I hate doing. And yeah. so I like, I don't do that stuff. Like what the point of success should not be that you do lots of stuff you don't like doing. Right. And what is the point? There's this um, in in Julius Caesar Shakespeare's play. Uh, he's uh, Shake, uh, Caesar, although it ends up he shouldn't have gone. He's debating whether to go to uh, the Senate that day, the day that he's murdered, and uh, and his wife's his wife's <laughs> his wife's begging him not to go. Mm. And uh, someone's like, "But you have to go." And his wife's like, "Just uh, don't go." And he's like, "But if I don't," and then someone's like, "Why don't you just lie and say that you can't go?" And and he's like, if I'm not going to go, I'm going to say I can't go. And then, and then he ends up because he's like, did I conquer the whole world to be afraid of telling some gray 
some gray beards the truth. Mm. He's like, did I did I do all these things yeah. to then furtively lie about why I can't, I don't want to go to work? He's like, right. I'm, if I'm not going to go to work, I'm not going to go to work, and like you can suck it. You know, right, right, that's right. what he's saying. Right. He ends up, ironically, he ends up being convinced to go, and then is murdered, which right. is a good warning. Right. Uh, there's some good symbols, <laughs> but the the point is, it's like what? It's like why did I do this stuff? Yeah. If it didn't give me a little it's, bit of power I to be it. like, I don't like getting on the phone. Right. You're going to have to email me. Right. It's less convenient for you, I understand. Right. But transcribe what you were yeah, going to say. In but the this call is about me. <laughs> so I can read it and not, yes. I wonder what it is about the phone. I sometimes don't like, I don't like not being able to see who I'm talking to. And at the same time, I don't want to see them. <laughs> for me, it's, it's, le- it's less the, it's, it's less the medium of the phone, but it's that like I, get to control my own schedule so if i have a call at 10 30 yep, my whole day is pivoting around this shit Dude, that i don't want to do can i say i never get more upset like irrationally upset when i'm not seen we talked about that yep. earlier and also if my um the people that work with me set up a call let's say it is a yep. conference call and they say it's 11 30 on tuesday yep. and i'm the first person on the call yeah and then i wait for 10 minutes and i'm like uh, I'm not saying that's the end of the yeah. world. I'd be an idiot if I couldn't wait for 10 minutes, but it's something about you may... I And I, I've said this to my manager before. I'm like, I set an alarm. Right. That's what I do on no, a No, I was Sunday. ready like 15 minutes before, right. and you don't understand that I moved all... Because you I'm don't insane. Understand. The difference of, from when I wake up and know I have something yeah. at 1130 is different than when yes. I wake up and know I don't have anything. Because I'm crazy. Yes. This changed my entire day. Yes. I'm sensitive. Yeah. You you don't understand. I'm princess in the pea when it yeah. comes to phone calls. <laughs> there's a there's a really great essay by Paul Graham called Makers vs. Managers, mm. and he's there's two types of people. There's people who make stuff, and there's people who manage stuff. Mm. And that often talking about like comedians who become actors, whatever makers often get made into managers. But the the fundamental disconnect he's saying is that um, a manager sells eight hours of their time to an employer. So when they're like, hey, can I waste 15 minutes of your time on the phone? Right. They're stealing from their boss, right? Like, <laughs> like, they, like they, they are, they're, they're not spending their time because they don't right. have anything they have to do. Like right. they work for, but like if I take an hour out of my day to get on a call that as soon as I'm done, I'm like that. So could have been an email yeah. or it didn't even need to happen at all. Right. You just took a long shit at work. Yes. You know that? Yes. You, yes. Just, you just waited to shit. Till you got, you got to paid work, to shit. so you could be paid to shit, which I understand. Yeah, but it's it's the Duplass brothers, more movies, less meaning. You meetings. took one hour of writing time from me that yes. I'll never get back, and, and I'm you know, mad I, at myself because I let you do it. I'm right. I I had a day where I had to get on the phone, and I I, I had to, Ugh. and I was writing, and then I had the call, and then afterwards, you know that feeling where you just go. Oh, it's gone. Yeah. Like the no, will to back. write is gone. Yeah. And I just, and I, I've been doing this long enough that I just say to Val, I'm like, it's over. Yeah. Like, I'm done. You, let's go to the movies or right. something. Because I can't. No, day, ra- the, yeah, day wrapped up earlier than expected. That yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to protect that. And, and it sounds like you're good with your wife and your family about being like, because for me, a stand up or a writer, you have to normalize something that appears to be leisure. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm going to go sit. Mm hmm. Or I'm going to go to a club where all my friends are and crowds laugh at what I say, hopefully. And that appears to be fun. And Val, it's never been an issue. But with my first wife, it was a thing where I was like, I want it to be normal that I go and do a show. Or I want it to be normal that I need to steal away and write or whatever it might be. So it sounds like you have those boundaries. Yeah, Yeah, no, and we've been... 
we've been together since before I was a writer. So it's uh, beautiful, you know. So so she watched you figure it out. Yeah, and so we've we've had to we've had to figure it out. But it'll together. the it sometimes it'll be like I said I was going upstairs for five minutes, yeah. and then I came back down and I was like, "Oh, are you ready to go?" And she's like, "That was two hours ago. Yeah. I already ate." You know, yeah. like so there there is a selfishness to what we do. Yeah. That you have to figure out and how an to manage. Indulgence and yeah. all that. And you know what? If they knew not if they knew, I don't I don't Val knows. That that was an old script that I was just running. I do enjoy it. Yeah. There is something kind yeah. of it is a little bit like masturbating. There sometimes there are orgasms, you know what I mean? <laughs> and you feel I think I know you know the feeling, yeah. the thrill of when the writing clicks and you go, oh shit, I just found me and I put yeah. it on the page and I can't wait for someone to see that. And I, I, I hope it, uh, I wonder, I, I would say, I think it's on one of those post-its. I would go like, why am I writing the book? It's to relieve suffering and it's to restore a connection for myself to, to the yeah. divine. Um, and that's, and that's what I would hold in my brain was someone saying, sure. this book made me suffer less. And I was like, that's, yeah. Because that's those are the good compliments for crashing. But if if it was ever, uh, I just want to make money or whatever. Yeah, just jump in a ravine. Yeah, where I, I I'm so thrilled to talk to you about God. I have so many things we could talk about, um, but let's talk about God a little bit. Okay. <laughs> we have been. Yeah. You want to know how liberally I I think of God? We have been talking about God, but. What what is your were you raised a certain way and then what is your feeling? So I was I was sort of raised re- religious. So we were Catholic and then uh, then we moved and then we stopped being Catholic because the church was too far away. Hilarious. So I don't know how serious they were about it. You know what I mean? I get it. That's um, really funny though. So it just sort of it fell away for me. You know, right around college, and then you know, you read like the God Delusion, and you read yeah. these books, and you're like, "All right, there's nothing." Yeah. Um, and then I found philosophy, which filled that void for me very quickly. So I'm, I'm like, I think people think that if you're an atheist, you're a nihilist, or that life has no meaning, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I used to be one of those people. There's so there's this. Maybe it's Flaubert said it. Uh, he was saying that, that Stephen Flaubert. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he was saying uh, that uh, that between uh, like Cicero and Marcus Aurelius, he's like before, like as the gods plural were falling away, but before Christ had come, he's wrong because Christ came between Cicero and Marcus Aurelius. Um, <laughs> like Marcus Aurelius famously persecutes the Christians, but um, th- there was this moment. Um, you know, around like Seneca, the other famous Stoic, and Jesus are born the same year. Oh, wow. Like they're alive at the same time, and both killed uh, quite gruesomely mm. um, for their beliefs. You know, and but there was this moment where the world had a lot of what Christianity has become or absorbed, but it was not derived from the idea of a singular God who sent his son down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, Stoicism or, or ancient philosophy, people, when people hear philosophy, they think it's like, you know, abstract questions right. from a college. But there, what philosophy was this way of living that provided meaning and explained 
why with the craziness of being humans alive on this planet this is what the practical school of philosophy does new york subway apps. yes that's what it says it's like yeah hey i know yeah <laughs> and like philosophy hold on <laughs> that's what that's what philosophy was for yeah, yeah. like hundreds of years yeah. and then it was only sort of philosophy and christianity come into conflict and then then it gets taken up by the university system and it becomes you know these arcane questions about right you know. and also christianity was sort of nipped and tucked and and yes. turned into a story about a god sending a son yes that he would die for your sins and then you'd go to heaven which is an elevator pitch because that's apparently in a world where church being too far away will get you to stop going we sort of need to like turn it into something that can, people can digest like a mento yes yeah yes and so so that's so i think that's sort of where i'm so i don't i don't be- well what it, did you oh go ahead yeah i don't i don't believe in a god Yes, but I believe uh, you know the Stoics have this concept of a, they call it the logos. Mm-hmm. Uh, logos also appears in the Bible. Uh, the word, the word. But to the Stoics, logos was just sort of like the rhythm of the universe, like mm-hmm. the just the order of all things. Right. Which, which, like you know, the Stoics talk about fortune, and you could plug fortune in for God. Like fortune is you had God did this to you, God did that to you. It's sort of luck, providence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and karma, karma. It's what's happening to you? Yes, and, and that that what's happening to you is utterly out of your control. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe in. So I I, I have this idea of like I I, I I'm and not... how we respond to it, which is yes. a very Buddhist, a very Hindu yes. idea. Yes. How do we in we're out of control? Yes. And how do we change our perception of it? I've heard you talk about like you can get mad at someone cutting at you in the line, or you can just be like. I'm well, I think I think you'll really like Marcus Aurelius because basically the essence of Stoicism is we don't control the world around us, but we always control how we respond. Mm. And that so Stoicism and Buddhism are honing in on the same essential truth. I mm. think, mm. but but basically it's like to me, um, we're 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 just reacting to this stuff, yes. and and that that's that oh, creates sorry. our reality. Yeah, and I remember what I was going to say. I, I'm uh, although I have gone to some meetings, I'm not really like a twelve step person. Do. You think while you talk? Yeah, I was look up. It's uh, great. Uh, it's the it's the most important skill. <laughs> if you can think while you talk, the number of times in this. Sorry, I'm interrupting, yeah. but like that I'm talking to you while I'm going. Like, what am I going to ask next? Yes. So it creates the facade. Of togetherness. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we're all. That's what we're all. And that's for. what it's all about, baby. Yes, that's a, a good book title. Of togetherness. Uh, uh, <laughs> but but um, did I forget it again? Oh fuck Shit. my face! Uh, no, we can get it. Fuck, what was I saying? Um, we were talking about Marcus Aurelius. We were talking about uh, philosophy. We were talking about you can control how how you respond to things. I said I've heard you see someone cutting a line. And you go, or I can choose to not be upset about that. Yeah, I lost it. You said, no, fuck my dick! <laughs> That's a real failure for me. That's a real failure. This goes on my failure reel. <laughs> I'm going to... No, gonna... no, no. You're, you're, you're right. Uh, but you were saying that the Stoicism and Buddhism are similar. Yeah, they are very similar. And you don't similar. believe in a god. You believe in logos. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, I, I'm not a 12-step person. But yeah. the idea of uh, ste- step two is the acceptance of a higher power. Yeah. Um, and people think they're like, but there is no God. Why do I have to accept? Uh, step two is ultimate. Like one of the founding members of AA was uh, like, a, a, in his own words, like a militant atheist. Mm. But he's okay with step two because uh, step two is ultimately about surrender. Yes. And to me, that's that. I have no no problem with surrender whatsoever. Yeah, you're a grain of sand in the ocean. Yes. You're getting tossed around. Mm-hmm. And you fucking A-R. Yes. And that was a big crisis of faith for me. Uh, 
what I thought I was in God's protection plan and then a bad thing happens. And yeah. I'm like, but I thought I was paid up with the mafia. Sure, sure. And they broke my bakery window. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's not the fucking deal. Ever, div- you don't think divorce doesn't happen to Christians? Get your fucking head. But nobody, that's why I love Hinduism. Right. And that's why I love Buddhism is because I started, tar- started to see people that have philosophies that allow for suffering and misfortune that is better than, well, God was asleep. At yes. the wheel that day. Yes. I'm so sorry. It just, he he didn't like it, and it was the devil, or yeah. something like that. And I, it's just unsatisfying. Yeah, or it's like everything happens for a reason. No, shit happens. Yeah. You know? You give it a reason. You give it a reason afterwards, and you might as well give it a good reason. Yeah. But no, everything doesn't happen for a reason. Like, we're, we are totally insignificant, and life is often, often uh, very cruel and very hard. Yeah. You know? And... uh you just have to make the most of it, and you have to surrender. You have to surrender because if you're angry about it, you fight it. You're only making it worse. But the idea of a tragedy befalling you and how you so all you're left with, it's like Job. Let's say everybody you know and love is gone. Mm-hmm. It just happens. The only agency you're left with is how you interpret that. Yes, doesn't that isn't that a thought right from your brain? That's the essence of stoicism. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what do you? How do you carry on? Right. You know how do you? Uh, you know, have you ever read any of Viktor Frankl? Mm-hmm. He wrote Man's Search for Meaning. He's this psychologist in Vienna. Um, he goes to the, he, he's, he's in three different concentration camps. He loses his family. He loses his wife. He loses everything. Um, but, but he says, you know, we ask life, like, what is the, we ask, what is the meaning of life? As, as if we're the ones who get to demand, it's like, no, life is asking, uh, his point is life is asking us the question. Mm. What is the meaning of your life? And then you answer with what you do. Mm. And, and that's sort of how I think about it. So it's like, this thing happens to you. What, what does it become for you? What do you, what happens next? What right. do you do? Right. Um, and that those are the moments where humans are greatest, you know, how do you, how do you respond to something I'm going through with my family right now where it's like, how does this bring us closer together? How does something good come out of this? Mm. Um, and, and how is it, it, how is it just not a reminder that we're totally not in control and that, we should not take each other or any moments for granted. Right. That, again, Rob just keeps coming up. He's talking about, in his new series, it's called An Introduction to Joy. I think you can go see it now. Look on Rob's website. It's a speaking tour. And he, he, I said, what's it about? And he said, basically, it's about that real joy comes in accepting how vulnerable we are. The okay. idea that you could die and things are crazy and this could happen and this could happen. He's like, joy isn't denying those things. Joy is sort of dancing within those things like yeah. finding some way to participate yes because it, it is overwhelming and that's why we eat ice cream and that's why we watch pornography and action mm-hmm. movies is it's overwhelming and then sometimes we can have a moment where we go well religion and philosophy asks us sometimes in the, in their better moments asks us how can we do better than ignoring it yeah and and, and it, i i you know i'm not my f- mind isn't fully made up but what do you make of the idea that life is almost like a not a literal simulation but it's almost like a game yeah and the point of the game is to realize that it's all it's all a trip to clovis yes and that suffering is there to help us with our attachments well it's interesting you said because one of when i talk about like what bad philosophy is i often use that example which one i go people go like how do we know life isn't a computer simulation yeah and it's like no to me philosophy 
should be is like how do you deal with your temper how do you mm. like how do you uh how do you make sense of death how do you like to me philosophy is designed to be very very practical mm-hmm. and i think um people waste their time with you know, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin right you know, because or they God make us seem smart yeah 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 it's what it's what i say freshman dorm room smoking yes. pot idea yes. but the idea not a literal elon musk simulation right but um, no, that's interesting because I, I haven't heard How do you, you get say out of it samsara? that way. I, I haven't that? heard someone the way you expressed it actually provides practical value because as a metaphor, then you're like, oh, none of this matters. This is all. And one of the things the Stoics talk about a lot is Marcus is basically saying is like, what's happening to you right now has happened for all of history. He's mm-hmm. like, let's go back to this emperor, that emperor. He's like, go back three hundred years. People were dying and fucking and fighting and arguing over money he's it, it's mm-hmm. like beautiful you're like the fourth, 14th century christian guy yeah yeah, yeah. and he, he he manages to especially in this translation he captures just like life period the book you gave me is called meditations it's in, like this book is incredible the most powerful man in the world is sitting down and he writes notes to himself about how to be a better happier uh, more normal person. Mm. When we compare that to every other emperor in history, you're like, you know what I mean? Emperors yeah. are not good. It, it's not good for you to be emperor. Um, <laughs> and, and somehow this one dot, and the book was never intended to be published. It's the total accident that it survived. It'd be wow. like if, if you had like Buddha's journal or wow. something. Um, but he's capturing just like, he's just like, look, this has always happened. And so he's like, he, he was like, you would have to be insane to take any of this too seriously. He's that's like, right. he's like, as if anything bad lasts. That's like, that's the version. That's an, a very nice version of what were you worried about a year ago? Yes, and that's why when we're lost in the trip to Clovis, we forget that you know we no longer. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like yeah. in a year, you won't remember. Well, how also, many sandwiches you pack. Go go back to like the five worst things that happened to you in your life. And then would you actually make them unhappen? Like if you yeah. knew, like you wouldn't because That's they right. made you, they got you to where you are now. Right. Like your divorce was probably horrific, but your show wouldn't exist That's if right. you were still together. Well, you that's what's so comedian. fun about yeah. it is that we have like a macro example of like that alchemy. Of yeah. Like this is the worst thing. And we joke, Mulaney and I, you know, the book is like the fifth time I've sort of told the story of my divorce. It's not a huge part of the book. It's like yeah. one little chapter. Sure. But I guess I could be embarrassed, but I'm like, no, this is the mind that I have. I keep going in and going like, look, I thought God had my back, and then yeah. I had to change how I thought about God. So it sounds like your philosophy has an allowance for chaos, which is very important. Oh, of course. <laughs> because if you don't, if if you think you can eliminate chaos, life will rudely uh, disabuse well, you of that notion. That's right. Disabuse is great. I love your vocabulary. Uh, Buddha talks about the world is on fire. Mm-hmm. Clovis is on fire. And that's what children understand. That's why yeah. the trip... The walk starts leaving the apartment. The walk didn't even start leaving the apartment. The walk was just always happening. Yeah, right. When am I not on the walk, mm-hmm. says the child. Clovis is on fire. Clovis doesn't exist. Yes. Like, like I like to say, a ladybug doesn't know it's Italian. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I was in Italy. I saw a ladybug. Yeah. I was like, yeah. is it ladybug doesn't go, I'm Italian? Yeah. And, and what's so, what's, what, <laughs> I love about, what I love about philosophy in that I way. don't find in religion is that they are say, making observations like that to help unfuck your mind yeah you know and right and it, liberation yeah it, yeah that's my model mm-hmm. hinduism and buddhism the enlightenment model uh for me a definition i like for enlightenment is happy for no reason happy a non-circumstantial happiness obviously i'm not there all the time but i can get there mm-hmm. we talk about that 5 a.m feeding with leela 
you can almost feel the empty room in a way that you could lick it like an ice cream cone. Yeah. And that's happy for no reason. So and what, that has nothing to do with being in Los Angeles or Clovis. <laughs> the, the most incredible thing about Marcus Aurelius is that he's this beautifully trained... Gladiator. Yes. <laughs> he did have a really shitty son in real life. Like his son oh, really? really was killed by a gladiator. It, Marcus wasn't killed by his son, but Joaquin Phoenix does an amazing job capturing what Commodus was. And Commodus is killed by a gladiator in real no life. No way. And it's one of the it's it's the to was me it this, a handsome gladiator? I don't, yeah. <laughs> this fascinating it's like how could such a great wise man have had such a shitty kid? Like Buddha had a kid, but we don't know what happened to Buddha's kid. But what yeah. if Buddha's kid was a psychopath? Yeah. Like how would that change how we see things? I know. But um but but so Marcus is this trained writer and and he's 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 beautiful writer and there's all these different passages where he's just commenting on the ordinary beauty of the world he's like he's like the flecks of foam on a boar's mouth and the way that a mm. olive falls off a tree and he talks about the the bending the the way that when a stalk of grain grows and it gets to a point where it's heavy and it bends under its own weight mm. and and he talks about he's just finding this sort of ordinary beauty in things yes. and that that's a sort of this way to get in touch with the sublime or with the divine. And, and so like, that's one that's of the, it. people think stoic is this emotionlessness, that's, but it's, it's actually going around and finding beauty in, in, it's easy to look at the Grand Canyon and be like, this is wonderful. But can you look at like the paw prints of a cat on a dusty trunk of a car and yeah. go like, that's so cute. You know, and like, you, can you feel that? Oh, fucking I. Cut from the same cloth, <laughs> hates the fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just right there with you. Yeah. I, and and I, that's the place that I'm talking about. I like enlightenment because as the word lighten, it's yeah. the light place. Sure. If I, the windows in our house are very old. It's a 1909 or something. And I don't know if the windows have been replaced, but if they were, they were replaced in a time when windows were kind of fucked up. Yeah. So it warps the light in this way that you see in my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies, The Assassination of Jesse James' just old windows. So good. Isn't a great movie. Yeah. And they shot with lenses like that deliberately to kind of get that feeling of the yeah. turn of the century. And sometimes when I'm in that room, it sort of goes back to what you were saying about like we see the walks, the yeah. five walks. Ramdas says like, when you're hungry and you drive through a town, you see the restaurants. Mm -hmm. When you're horny, you see the, the sexy people. When you're angry, you don't see anything. Yeah. And when I'm in that light place, you see the speck of dust in a sunbeam on a plane, and you don't care that you're delayed on a tarmac. You go, shit, that looks like the Milky Way, yeah. and you start to cry. And that's that's where I think Buddhas and Christs were, or maybe, maybe yeah. even Marcus when he's writing. Certainly Marcus when he's writing. I don't think this is a members only place i think the invitation has been extended to you to live in that space yes and and so few of us rsvp well for, first off buddha was just a real human being yeah and i mean marx realist was a real human being seneca real human being depends on where you come down with christ real human being maybe you know the way i interpret it wasn't what i love and, about yeah. marcus and seneca and is that they we know for a fact they were real humans right yeah and and jesus is like maybe he was so special because he's the son of god and he's of man and not of man and so it's hard for me to relate to that right but when i read seneca and you know there's this uh, actually my next book is my so my next book is about this idea of stillness mm. which is this idea that you see in every school and religion and philosophy be still and know that i'm god yeah. Very important it, right, passage. Right, yeah. right, right. And, but like, 
it's easy to be still if God is saying, you be still. Or mm. not easy, but it, you're like, okay, that's not a real thing. There's this one letter from Seneca, and my next book opens with it, but he's like in this room in Rome above a gym, and he's trying to write this letter, and he's talking about how fucking noisy it is outside and all the sounds that he's hearing. There's like a pickpocket being arrested on the street, and there's a blacksmith, and there's a vendor selling things, and he's just trying to, he's trying to get in touch with He's trying to tune it all out and be inside himself and be still and be calm. And I just I just love the idea that humans have been striving to do that for so long and come up short but gotten there in moments. Like yeah. when you're like when I'm in an old house, like you're saying you look at the light, I think like, okay, like what who lived in this house before and what were they thinking about and what were they and, Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, and where yeah. the fuck are they now? They're dead and yeah. nobody even cares, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and, and and that is what, to me, philosophy is supposed to help us with because it goes so against our natural impulse to think that way. All we're thinking about is like, ah, oh, you know, if I if I redid the kitchen, I think yeah. we could uh, Your sell story. this place. That's why not just the simulation, but the game of it, just going like, okay, there's the, the life story the events of Pete that seem so important. Mm-hmm. I need to redo my kitchen. Yeah. And then there's the witness of that that just goes, what? Or the higher self or the conscious person that just goes like, what did the people that lived here before you, they're dead. What do they think of the kitchen? Like that higher perspective. Yeah. Seeing the planets and the sun in the in the dust. Yeah. Is, is liberation. Yeah. That, what I'm saying is, whether or not we call it soul consciousness, that... Uh, beautiful meaninglessness, the the liberation that comes from it's a game. Don't you see whether or not you like me is a game? <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> so the point of the game then, which is I don't believe it doesn't really matter. I'm open to all sorts of things. But if you ask me today, I don't think Jesus was born magic. Yeah. Uh, that I, I look at him more like a, a, a human that was like, yeah. oh, fuck, and woke up. What's so cool is so Buddha is is born uh, a prince and he forsakes it in the pursuit of enlightenment. What I love about Marcus Aurelius is that he's just he's a regular person. He's born and then uh, he's the he's the adopted son of the emperor. So he's seen he wants to be a philosopher yeah. and he's cho- someone the the emperor Hadrian basically adopts a guy on the condition that he adopts Marcus because Marcus is too young. But basically, he wants to be a philosopher, and he's chosen to be emperor. And so he has... It's like so, a Jane Austen novel. Yeah. But it's, so it's the opposite of Buddha's journey, but they get to the same place. So yeah. Buddha has to leave <laughs> leave the, the palace to become enlightened. Marcus has to enter the palace to achieve his enlightenment. Wow. And, and, uh, but there, it's the same journey, which is like, how can you just be the best version of yourself? Not like... not he was the best because he conquered this place or he put down this rebellion, but best because like, like, so there's this idea like absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. He's like the exception to the rule. That's being your best. Like yeah. he was put in this incredibly, like, can you be famous and not be a, a dick? Yeah, you know, totally. like that's a real trial. <laughs> right. And, and that, that I take, like, can I be, for me, it's like, I want to be like a writer, but every writer I read about is like a shitty person who is bad to their family, and like, yeah. you know, I was like, "Can I be a great writer and not those things?" That's mm. like the that's the thing I'm striving. That's for. your that's your avatar. Yeah. That's the image. I you know, uh, Deepak Chopra talked about like the importance of having a symbol mm-hmm. in your mind 
and going like, and it's like Seinfeld saying about the idea of a comedian. Yes. So, and Young talked about, we don't get changed with ideas, we get changed with symbols. Mm-hmm. So you have this symbol of Marcus Aurelius and that's making you, yeah. so that's real transformation. That's a real miracle. I mean, it's, it came through, yeah. I'm not saying a miracle in the sense that water into wine, I'm saying it's, it's, it's a wonder. And I, but, and so it's like, and this is a crazy story. Uh, I don't know how much time we have, but we have is, plenty of time. Okay. So, uh, so do you want to know how I, found out about marcus aurelius no so, yes okay. i do so, i mean yes so, so i was i was i was in college i don't know why i said no i was i was in college and i got invited to like this i was writing for the college newspaper and i got invited to this conference and it was in la it was like the first time i've really come to la as an adult and i came there and it was in this hotel in west hollywood we go down in this the conference room and the guest speaker is dr drew um who you just had on no i know way. and and i'd grown up i listened to loveland all the time and uh, I, was, I was a huge fan, and he, and he was so smart. He was like, "What I, I was like, I want to be a smart person like that." Yeah. And so afterwards, I went up to him and I was like, "I have a question. It has nothing to do with sex or anything." I was like, "Like, what books are you reading? Like, what what books would you recommend to like someone like me?" And he was like, "You know, I'm reading these Stoic philosophers right now. I think you should read Get read them." Out. And I I went online and I bought. Marcus Aurelius first because I'd seen the movie Gladiator. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. I was like, that name was familiar. Yeah. And this translation showed up. And I mean, I didn't know which one I was buying. I could have bought any. Which tra- one is this? This is the Gregory Hayes Gregory translation. Hayes. Uh-huh. And it's for the Modern Library. Yep. Um, but the point is like, I could have gotten a different Stoic with a bad translation and my whole life could have turned out differently. Isn't that funny? So I, I do feel like there, that, the Stoics would say that's the Logos. That's something was faded. Like that was... It's not predetermined, but it was determined by something bigger yeah. or more random than me. I didn't. I didn't make that happen. Right. Something made it happen, and the whole course of my life is different because of that thing. Right. <clears throat> and the course of your life is what it could only ever have been. Yes. I mean, sometimes I think about it as like just all these cogs in a giant watch or some sort of steampunk situation where I'm like, it's not scary, no free will. It's more lawful unfolding. It was lawfully unfolding that you were. Because of how you were seen in your household as a child, became curious, and then you see somebody like Dr. Drew, you can even bring in the psychological thing. Here's like a man, yeah. we both have father issues, who seems so clean and muscly and intelligent, and so therefore I'm compelled to ask him. Yeah. And he, it, the, the fun comes in, he happened to be reading this thing that would really resonate I didn't have to buy the book. You That's know? also true. And. and- the there in this book there there's this um marcus uses marcus is because the stokes did kind of believe in an idea of predetermination the, uh, the metaphor he uses he's like we're a dog tied to a wagon and so um like the dog doesn't get to decide the dog is going where the wagon is going mm-hmm. right but the dog has some choices mm-hmm. the dog can run along happily alongside the wagon oh, wow. the dog can i don't uh, know much about stoicism but this is the most stoic thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs> the, the, or the dog can lay down and be fucking dragged by the wagon yeah, yeah. um but the, wa- that the is dog the is going of everything you've told yeah. me about stoicism yeah. that's it the dog is going where the wagon is going that's why i believe that's what life is but the dog can choose is this a benevolent wagon? Is this yeah. an evil wagon? Am I the victim of the wagon? Or am I, is the wagon my fucking employee? And yeah. I, I love this wagon. It keeps me going, baby. Yeah. Like the myth of Sisyphus, <laughs> I think it was Camus said, like, we must imagine Sisyphus happy. Like, Well, that's what Alex Gray came. He had the, this trip on acid, I think, and he saw the smile of Sisyphus. Mm-hmm. He was like, it sucks that we're all Sisyphus. And then he zoomed in and he saw that Sisyphus was having a, a having a ball. Yes. That's it. Yeah. We're stuck in the soup. Yeah. 
But some of you know, some of us are looking at the stars. Some of us are dancing. Some of us are playing, and some of us—that's Rob saying—are surrendering to the fuckedness and finding some joy, even in even in this uncertainty. And other, but and other people are fighting it and making themselves miserable in the process, and ultimately not getting to change. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. There, for some reason, when I was reading your stuff, I, uh, there's this story of a monk. I think it's uh, you know folklore at this point or it's a myth at this point but there was a a monk and uh the townspeople there was a young girl who got pregnant and she said it was the monk she didn't want to throw her boyfriend under the bus okay so she said it was the monk and so they storm the temple and they scream at the monk and they're like you got this girl pregnant uh this baby is yours and the monk just goes ah so which you know i see takes the baby raises the baby yeah 15 years he's with the baby 15 years later the woman confesses wasn't the monk they go they go uh, it wasn't you yeah we're so sorry uh you don't have to take care of the kid anymore and the monk just goes also <laughs> and that is yes. something i think of all the time when i'm like we went and interviewed uh mavis uh, staples yesterday and I, and they were like you only have half an hour and i try to just go Ah, so yeah, you know, th- that's such a small example, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to work up some momentum to being like the pinched Pete who thinks he's owed something mm-hmm. is not a free Pete. He's not a yes. happy Pete, and he's not a liberated Pete. That's when, a continually disappointed and frustrated Pete. That's right. Yeah, w- and the Marcus that's going. This is how it's always been. The you that's going when I'm in a house. I know they also were worried about the kitchen. Or the dink, 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 that's my dad in the car. Yeah. The surrendering and the merging. This is what I would say. The merging into the the force of it all. Yeah. It's behind all of it. it. It could be a psychological exercise or it could be the divine reality. I, what's the fucking difference? <laughs> right. No, no. It's it's bigger than we can comprehend, so it might as well be God. Yeah, You sure. know? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the end of it. It's you know good, what I mean? Yeah. God's a great metaphor. Yes. For a mystery. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, it's a symbol or a word attached to a thing we don't understand. So That's yeah, right. you call it the logos, you call it God, you call it karma, you call it the way, whatever you want to fucking. But call isn't it, it I don't funny care. that everybody was calling it something? Yeah. Now, now we're in a time where there seems to be less need for it, or, or less navel gazing, or less silence. And yet, people are more unhappy than they've ever been, yeah. even though things are better than they've ever been. I so it, to me, it's like like I feel like uh, if you approach some like 17th century peasant and you were like in the future you will have an ipod and you will have a car yeah. and you will live in a beautiful home and right. your family will be rich and you don't have to worry about you know uh bandits and you know yeah. the plague they'd be like awesome and then you'd be like but god won't exist right and uh you'll mostly feel sad about that all the time i'm right. not sure they would take the trade i know it's fascinating it's that native american vision i forget wh- who had it of uh i saw the future and everybody's living in rectangles yeah and he's like and everybody was so sad yes and i was like this was a time when people were like having to go out and chase dinner mm-hmm. and yet they're they they were in the flow they were in the way or the dow or yes and yeah yeah we're both simultaneously fucked and more the, I, I also take so much comfort this podcast hopefully being part of it i can go on youtube and watch the the real shit yeah there's there's videos of a of a you know diarrhea and there's also videos of like real modern philosophers and antiquity yeah. laying it out mm-hmm. it's just like we need to like figure out how to figure out what did this in this pile of stuff what's gold and what's not 
Well, I think to me, one of the clarifying it's like if you then you add on top of this that we're mortal and we're all going to die. Yeah. It it helps clarify all of it. You know what I mean? It exactly. simplifies it Puts and it adds urgency. Yeah. And uh, and and so I I think that's in it is interesting how obsessed even Christianity is with death and how obsessed philosophy is with death. And when we see that now, we go that's morbid. Mm. And it's like yet yeah, they were squeezing more out of their existence with less resources than you. So it's maybe the, they're onto something. The idea that it ends is the beginning of going. Maybe I'm not just here to meet my sense desires. Yeah. Like I, I actually was talking to a, a, he's a pastor of all uh, of all things, and we were talking about like. I think about this all the time. I'm just like, I don't think on your deathbed, a lot of people function under the idea that they're going to look back and go, I had those croissants in Paris. Yes. And I don't buy it. I don't think it's going to work. No, no. When you start feeling the shallowness of your breath, I don't think you're going to go... Yeah, but I had that three-way. Yeah, because people, you know, I, I've, I've said this before. People go like, nobody looks back on their deathbed and they go, I wish I'd worked more. I also don't think people go, I'm so glad I got all that skiing in. I you know? fucking A agree, best friends, no phones, see you in Austin. It's, 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 it's you know, uh, I think, I well, think we- you think about what you did for other people and you think about whether you realized your potential and I think you think about... You know, were your days pleasant or not? Yeah. And how did you feel and how did you make others feel? Mm-hmm. And also, I, I'm going to just throw it in the mix. is like, did you liberate yourself? However you want to interpret that. Or did you prepare for this moment? That's right. what I'm saying. Um, oh, you want yeah. to talk about stillness? The other overarching thing in most religions is dying before you die. Cicero had this line. He said, to philosophize is to learn how to die. That's the the, the essence of philosophy was to teach you how to die, and and they would say it's this thing you only do once. Everything else in your life you do more than once. It's the only thing you do once, and it's it's so you might as well fucking practice for it. Um, I had I I, I would I was like, what a gracious God that gives us a rehearsal every night as we fall asleep and lose our identity. Oh sure, every night. This is what Tibetan uh, Buddhist dream yoga is, is the idea that you're like, this is as close as I can get. Can I remain conscious as I fall asleep? What if I can't? What chance do I have to die consciously? I have on my desk. Uh, I'm, I'm into the sort of memento mori like reminders, and I have on my desk this. Uh, I bought it on Etsy, but it's like a chunk of a tombstone from like a couple hundred years ago. Mm. I don't know how it's probably. I probably shouldn't think about how this person right. came across it. Yeah, but it just says dad on it. Wow. It's just like so, like so. This person wanted to put father on their tombstone, and then they died, and then it. Even this thing made out of stone eventually was crumbled up into yeah. pieces and sold on the internet for $40. Yeah. And I, I touch it and I think about it and I try to prepare for – Seneca has this line. He says, the man who goes to bed every night saying, I have lived, mm. uh, arises each morning uh, to a bonus. Yeah. You know, and I try to do that. Um, yeah. and, and I try to even think about that on my creative projects. I go like, this book is the best thing that I could have done up until the point where I am right now. And if I die, uh, people will see it and they'll appreciate the context that it was in. But most importantly, I won't fucking be here. So I won't even know what I missed out on. That's right. 
So you might as well just do it for for you and the feeling that it gives you. I might as well enjoy the day of writing it. That's right. You know, because it, I can't be, I it's, can't be doing this for what I get at the end because dude, the end is not guaranteed. That's the that's the retirement thing. Why did we do all that just to retire, only to find that our brain is conditioned to be unable to retire and have to go to Clovis and have to go to Clovis? Yes. And what is the point of writing it for the accolades? And when we've seen that Moby Dick was thrash, you mm-hmm. know, it it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. The journey is the point. Yeah. And today's shower is the point. And today's lunch is the point. It's not the fuel for some other thing. Fucking eat your tuna sandwich. <laughs> no, and, and one of my favorite, it was just very centering for me to read this at like 19. But Mark Sirius, he's like, he's like, first off, he's like, what is fame? He's like, it's the clacking of tongues and the, you know, the clapping of hands. And then he's like, and who the fuck are these people? Like, they're idiots. You don't Can like I? them. And yes. and then and then he goes and what about people who are after posthumous fame? He's like they're the same idiots that are alive now, and you're not even around yeah. to know I love it. that you have it. And it's not just to put people down. Obviously, it's to liberate yourself. We're talking about liberation. That's what I'm saying. Deathbed liberation because there's a spaciousness to that quality of mind. And I think it's that quality of consciousness that can grapple and even appreciate death. There's a, there's a saying that um, love and death are the two great gifts that most people leave unopened. Oh. And that means yeah. that death isn't a failure. It's the big show. Yeah. It's the thing. It's not, it's not an error. That's what it says over my sink. Death is not an error. Oh. Death doesn't have to be viewed as an yeah. error to, to enjoy life. And, and when we stop denying it, we can use that energy that what this is around us, that yeah. was denying it, to fully live in the present now. That's what I want on my deathbed. Yes. I've had a three-way. I don't want to be thinking about my three-ways, <laughs> yeah. plural, on my deathbed. I want to be spacious. Right. And a lot of people do get there. That's where they have their first authentic, like, yeah. I love you. Right. What are we doing? Yeah. Why are we going to Clovis? It was all right here the whole time. Yeah. Right. Welcome to enlightenment. I'd like to taste it before the deathbed. Because you know what? I might get hit by a bus. I might not have the luxury of going, as I see the sand in the hourglass dwindling, now I'm going to forgive my dad. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Let it go now, because of the bus. There it is. <laughs> what I think probably the hardest exercise in all stoicism, and, and there's this philosopher Epictetus he talks about, it, and then Marcus repeats it. Um, but uh, he says that when you tuck your child in at night, you should tuck them in and kiss them and say, you may not wake up in the morning. Not to them. You should say this to yourself. That would be yeah, really fucked yeah, up yeah, to yeah. tell a, a baby. But you should, and, and the point isn't like that you're detaching from your kid. It's that, because when I say that, people think that that's what that is. It's that actually you're embracing them fully right. in that moment right. in a way that you otherwise would be like, "I, a true detective is about to come on. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I, I'm getting out of this room to go do this other thing. Do you, do you know how many times I've been rocking the baby to sleep? We're intermi- I'm intermittent fasting. Val just started doing it. And, and that means I try to stop eating by seven. And I'm like, oh, it's almost seven. And it's just like, Fucking lay it down, yeah. baby. Lay it down. What are you doing? True yeah. detectives on. Yeah. It's right here. This is the cry of the deathbed. It's it was all right here the whole the whole time. But that 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 is I, I like that idea that that you might not wake up. Yeah. It's and important. you say you say you should say that to there's a Buddhist thing they go like the cup is already broken. You yeah. take like all your possessions and you're like, This is going to be stolen. I'm gonna f- leave this in a hotel room. Yeah. Uh this couch is already on a street corner. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stained it two seconds after I got it. And and so the Stoics actually do for two they have this idea of premeditatio malorum. You're supposed to meditate on the bad things that are gonna happen. Mm. So you either detach from them or you're prepared for them, or you can prevent them from happening. You know mm. what I mean? Like mm. you can say, Oh, and maybe I don't do that here, or maybe here's my plan B in case that happens. Right. But just sort of I, we're way too afraid of even though we're ironically even though we worry all the fucking time we're way too afraid to think about bad things that might happen yeah um because we think it we deep down we believe in the secret and the law of attraction right which is horrendous so bj bj novak is back and that's enough to make me believe in the serendipity of all things although maybe you bring him up as made me think of this he had a bit where he said sometimes i'll be on an airplane and i'll look to the person next to me and say do you think i can make this plane crash just by thinking about it and i'm like that is fucking hilarious and, and and it's true we we i i do think about immense tragedy yeah i i val and i you know saying to baby lee i'm so glad you're here is introducing a duality of here and not here you yeah, know what i mean sure but it's 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 what makes your fucking coffee taste so good in the morning and when we talk about it you can shower and this has been coming up lately on the podcast this this could be my last shower yeah Makes the shower fucking amazing. Yeah, Marcus says, he says, uh, there's two I love, but it, one, uh, and I have this in a coin that I carry in my pocket, he says, you could leave life right now, let that determine what you do and say and think, mm. which I love. Um, and then the other one, he says, like, are you afraid of death because you won't be able to do this anymore? Like, whatever that thing is. Can I just say, there was an Onion article that said, um, like, terminally ill man... Uh, I can't say it, but like healed or cured and assured that he has many more years of looking at his phone ahead of him. <laughs> sure. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful or anything, but uh, sometimes you see somebody that cheats death and then they just do some bullshit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you're like, oh, wow. Well, Seneca would say you're already dead. You're like, right. your your existence is a form of death. So what do you like? Yeah. Great. As soon as alive. Yeah, I get that. I, I, and I am a happy person. Yeah. And I think all the time I'm already dead. Yeah. I'm already dead. I'm already No, dead. no, he said, well, yeah, I think that. Oh, I'm but sorry. But his point is like, some people's shitty lives is, they're afraid of death and their oh. death is a, their life is a form of living death because I it's so see. wasted That's right. and meaningless. Um, but I agree. I think when you go like, hey, I could run out right now. I'm living on borrowed time. But this That's is That's a great way to live. This is what we're talking about is Oprah and Eckhart were talking about at the table next to me. They were talking about um, the practice. I actually write about it in my book. I talk about it as yes, thank you, looking at everything and saying yes, thank you. Oprah, same idea. That's what I'm saying. There's only like five ideas. Right. Um, Oprah put it this way. She said, I try to go out and not label anything. Mm -hmm. I've talked about this on this podcast too. If I call my sauna a blangor, it changes it. Yeah. Literally in that moment, it changes it. I sure. go, that's a blangor. And my brain does a double take and suddenly it's more vivid. So my baby is tripping balls all the time. And it's because she doesn't label anything. It's yeah. all one thing under the jello mold. So she's just fucking right. in the soup. She's grokked with reality, which is amazing. Um, and I forget why I brought that up, but that that is real life to me. Yeah, What I'm saying is one walk like that book one present walk is worth all eternity and it is all eternity you know what i'm yeah. saying no, no, as a one to- one moment one second i think the buddhists talk about this too one moment one second 
is enlightenment always. You know, yeah. like that it, that that entity contains all. That's of, it. All of it there. Where else could it be? Yeah. <laughs> right. No, and this <laughs> Mr. Stuff, Holiday. Yeah, right. Right. Where else could it be? Where else could it be? What, I, I love this guy, Muji. He's a great saint. He says, how close is Christ? How, or he says, how far is Christ? How far is he? Yeah. Ask yourself. Sit down, close your eyes, and ask yourself, how far is that? Where, where could it be? Right. Where could it go? Right. No, it's inside you. And there's a, yeah. So all this stuff is actually about accessing. Like, stillness, to me, isn't this thing that you go get. Like... I'm not into psychedelics, so I, I, my, one of my objections is people think like, "Oh, I'm going to go take this to get." But uh, it, it's it's there already. You're, you just totally. have to figure out how to access it. You don't get it by being rich. You don't get it by getting famous. You don't do it by this retreat or that. It's you have it already, and yes. you're about unlocking it. That's right. Uh, I, I'm going to quote it every time I think it because I love it, and it's a paraphrase. But Saint Francis says, "What you're looking for is that is what you're looking with." Mm. So that that idea that you already have it has become more and more and more of a reality slowly every day it's been creeping into me that I'm like I can't really put it into words but it's like what what's looking out my eyes is me it's it it's all of it and I don't have to look anywhere and I don't have to write it down yeah Richard Rohr uh, who I love said he'd leave a silent retreat and he'd be like I never have to read or write a book again yeah there's nothing yeah it's all even that that too is play that mm-hmm. too is just the dance. It's it's in the in the nice way, yelling into the chasm at the end of Garden State, and that's a fun thing to do. Have your have some cake, do your thing, but also realize the beautiful. It's all right, fucking here. Where else could it fucking be, you dipshit? Yeah, and so this, you know, you could leave life right now. Let that determine what you do and say and think. It's like you take some things way more seriously, and then you take a lot of things way less serious. It's not yeah. that it, it's not that it makes everything meaningless. And it makes, or that it makes everything very significant. It's yeah. that it's, it's sort of freeing on both. Like, I think if, if you're like, today's your last day, you're not like, oh, let's have an orgy. You're like, no, let me have like my Saturday. Let me have my Saturday. Yeah, you know, right. like, let me just yeah. have, I'm going to do the things I want to make sure there's some writing I want to do. There's some people I want to call. There's some right. phone calls I'm not going to, I'm going to, you know, decline. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that'll be the day. If, if I call you on the phone, it's because I'm, I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's yeah. You'd you'd call people. You'd forgive other people. Yeah. You'd say things. Yeah. You'd you'd go. Who am I leaving behind? Or my you know my my affairs in order? Well, you'd living just... you every day like it's your last always sounded like a call to decadence. Like I'm, yes. I'm going to go put my dick in a cake. Yes, but that is so stupid. It's it's more like if this is your last shower. Yeah, Seneca's thing is no. You should live each day like it's a complete day. Like yeah. you know, not that it's your last day, because then it would it, the world would be chaos and miserable. It'd be awful. It'd be like the purge or something. Right, right, right. It, no, it's like no, leave, leave, live today like it's completely self-contained. Leave nothing unfinished. Not go do a bunch of shit that you wouldn't do on a normal day. Right. <laughs> just like just wrap it all up. Yeah. And, and really do it, and yes. be there when you do it. Yes. You talked about the Grand Canyon, one of the plagues of all people. But certainly my family, we're, we're a family that talks about dinner while we're eating lunch. Mm-hmm. And I know because I was, I was that type of person, you can go to the Grand Canyon and totally miss it. Yeah. Look to the people rotating the rack of postcards for examples of these. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. It's not the fucking postcard, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. And I'm speaking to myself. Yeah. I'm a, I was a postcard and I, I can still sometimes be a postcard person. But like... I, I have taken psychedelics, and I, I'm not proselytizing, but I've gotten more enjoyment out of watching water come out of my faucet in my sink 
than I did when I was at the Grand Canyon last, or as I played Niagara Falls. Yeah, no, and people people have, they think about these things as like a bucket list. So it's like, check, they're not actually experiencing it, or they're taking a photo of it so they can remember it. I can't. (laughs) It's the worst. I can't. Yeah. You're going to need another lifetime to look at the photos you took. And you never actually will. Yeah. You won't. Right. Boy. Do you have to go? No. Oh, okay. No, no, I'm so sorry. That sounded accusatory. We kind of have to go. What time is it? Um, 12.25. 12.25. Yeah, this interview is at 1. And I have to do makeup? I don't know. I haven't showered. <laughs> Clovis. <laughs> I, I think I've been on family trips to Clovis. I grew up in Sacramento, so I've, I think Hilarious. I've been to Clovis. <laughs> I gotta go to Clovis. No, like I, there, maybe it's a generational thing because all my parents' friends, they're just so frenzied, and it's like you have nowhere to go, nothing to do. Yeah, why is this not more enjoyable for you? The examples that we see on TV certainly, and some in real life, are well. I'll just speak for myself. The image that comes to my mind is, and it didn't even necessarily happen. But it's dad's driving you to school. Yeah. And you start talking about the ocean and how great the ocean is. And in that moment, you both experience a momentary enlightenment. And you realize that school is just an idea. Okay. It's just a place with authority that we bestow on teachers with our beliefs and the principle and the idea of a certain type of Greek logic and learning. Whatever it might be. And in that moment, your father or your mother, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying your parent, the one who's driving, has this enlightenment with the child and you go to the beach. These are the stories. Yeah. Those are the types of stories that people tell when they talk about extreme parental love. The breaking yeah. of the what's expected of you yes. in favor of what your heart wants. Yes. And the heart wants it all. It wants to love everything. It wants to give everything away. It wants yeah. to absorb and experience and see the paw prints and the dust. And the mind is what fills the silo with wheat. And we're really glad for the mind. But that, to me, is the, that balance there. Let's put some wheat in yeah. the silo and have the day where we go to the ocean. Yes. Because that, it's not just the event of going swimming with your dad on this imaginary day. It's the feeling of... Clovis isn't even a place. It's not even a real thing. <laughs> Have you seen uh, the movie Chateau Marmont? The Sofia Coppola movie? No. Oh, she has like, it's sort of based on her life, but uh, she has this like, movie star father is the premise of the movie. And they, is they it new? This, is it after? Like, five or six years, years ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, they go on this like press junket to Europe or something. And But the, he's, this movie star is famous, but then they like order ice cream in bed one of the nights and mm. they watch TV and you're like, that's that's it. You know what I mean? Uh, that that's Val and what I she have remembers like that. She loves Ben Folds, and there was this one time when she didn't go to a Ben Folds concert, so we could stay in the hotel and order every dessert on the room service menu. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, we're in the ocean. And yeah, that, I just, I mean, fucking a. Yeah, that's that's life. And I, to me, uh, and I'm I'm cribbing this from something I heard from Mister Rogers, but he was like, that's what heaven is. That's right. You know, heaven isn't this thing. And it's funny that not only are we like that in life, but then that's the meta story of life, which is like all this sucks, but then at the end, then you go to the real thing, right? You know, the, the thing that you want. And so ignore all this. So then you can do this. Right. Instead of just being like, what, how could heaven possibly be better than, um, you know, like, uh, 
you get down on one knee and your kid runs to you from across the room like yeah. that. That's, that's right. Um, and Gillette says, how selfish are you that you're asking for something more? Than yes. This? Right. And I, I, I think it's a, it's a destructive worldview to be like, this is just a holding room for later. Yeah. And I think it, you know, it has a lot to do with global warming and, and a lot of, you know, abuse of the planet because we've lost the Tao and we've lost the flow of chasing our dinner and eating what we need and using every part of the, of the when we're so, se- we're so selfish that we don't think about who gets these things after us. Yeah, that's right. Nobody's thinking, where am I in the lineage of people that will live in this house? Yeah. Like old people are supposed to be the sort of kind, wise generation. Yeah. And now in our country, they've become the most sort of selfish vote, intractable voting block that you can imagine. That's right. No elders, just old children. Yeah, they're like uh, <laughs> fuck immigrants, and it's yeah. like, what you're gonna? You're not even gonna be here. What do you care? Yeah. You know, um, you're yeah. not doing. You're doing this because you don't like brown people, yeah. not because you are trying to protect this for your grandchildren. Right, right. Um, and and it's it's awful. Well, you know, and we we are wrapping up, but the idea that in India, like, there were different phases of life. Yeah. And the 50s and 60s and 70s were supposed to be for like your enlightenment, your spiritual yeah. work. So you had the time when you were making your name as a business or whatever, or your work, your craft. There was your time of getting married and having a family. And then the later years were supposed to be spent realizing that Clovis is nothing. Right. And that we should go to the ocean. Yeah. And instead, I have a joke about this where I'm like, I don't like seeing old people with iPads. You're supposed to be telling me how good a book smells. Right. Like you're supposed to be telling me right. to like fucking snap out of it. But unfortunately, I think we have a lot of people, you know, old old hands, arthritic hands swiping through Instagram. And that doesn't make me think you're cool, grandma. It doesn't make me think you're relevant. It makes me think that you left a very important phone ringing that you yeah. didn't pick up. Yeah. You dumb dumb. <laughs> yeah, no, you're supposed to be like planting trees and that's right. You know, doing nice your spacesuit is about to expire. Yeah, fucking get ready, get your shit in order. Uh, we've gotten deep. What I'm gonna, what I'm only saying that to say this is to. Was there anything you had yeah. in your docket? Um, can you think of a time in your life when you laughed really, 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 really hard? It's like a palate cleanser after our God portion. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I've listened to the show. I should have thought about... <laughs> oh, uh, no, I'm glad you I didn't. I should have thought about That's it. in the true spirit of the show. I'm glad you didn't. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think what it would be. Um, it could be recently. It also, I always like to remind people it could be when you're a child, and it doesn't have to be a good story. It's just like, where are you? Who are you with? My wife My wife will like this one. So when, when we, were, we were first dating, and it, it wasn't that funny at the time, but it's become this thing we talk about all the time. Love it. So we were... We just started dating, and we were, we were in college. We went to this grocery store, and we were waiting. We, we were waiting in line. You know, you put your shit in there, and then the person's there's the little divider, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and uh, we were buying some peaches, and the the other the person in front of us was buying some peaches, among other things. And I I like reached down, and I was like touching the peach, like in a like you know peaches are soft, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I was like touching yeah. the peach to see if it was a good peach or whatever. Yeah. And my wife was like. <laughs> Why are you caressing that peach? That's not our not our peach. You know, like I was just stroking this woman, this total stranger. Uh, is Chicago? Yes. Is not Chicago? Yes. Yes. Your peach, plastic thing. Yes. Someone else's peach. Yeah. And so I was just stroking this stranger's fruit, and 
And so she'll just bring, like, if she just wants to, like, just, like, take me down a, a peg, she'll just, sit, like, you know, we're just hanging around. She'll be like, remember that time That's so when funny. you did that. And it's Are just you stroking a stranger's peach right now? Yeah. Because you're wrong sometimes. And I, it, I wasn't, like, it, there, I was totally spaced out while I was doing it. So, like, what of my subconscious was like, I'm going to just touch this very soft peach. That's great. You know, so weird. But, I love it. It's also, I mean, we could, because we're in the deep mode, I'm like, also that peach, when it was on the pile of peaches in the store, you could stroke. Yes. This is like yes. a curb your enthusiasm. Yes. Yeah, why is it weird in one context yes. but not in the other? Yes. And the person packing the peaches, he could have stroked that peach. And the person picking the peach could have stroked the peach. But as soon as it's on the conveyor belt and has been claimed... And there's a divider. And a divider. Yes. It is now this person's peach. She hasn't paid for it. Yeah. It's still a common she peach. Says she still has to wash it before she eats and it. And she's still going to wash it. Yes. And we don't know how many strokes that peach has been peached <laughs> until you peach the peach. And I say impeach Trump. <laughs> um... This was one of my all-time favorites. I'm so glad. Can we do it again? Of course. I would love to chat with you anytime you're in town. Okay. And it's and you'll, you'll have a new book, and, and I'll have more than three days with it, so I'll, I'll read right. the new book. We can talk about the new book, and uh, whatever you'd like. You, you open invitation. I'll, I'll 100% take you up on it. Thank you very much, and thank you for the gift. Of course. People, also check out Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. One last time, the Gregory Hayes translation. And um, it, it sounds like you've listened to the show, so we have the guest say, keep it... Crispy? Yeah, I'm not. Uh, keep it crispy. <laughs> keep it peachy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Ryan. Appreciate it, man. So yeah. My Z900 shoes, A50. I'm so crispy. I'm so crispy. My ice game make you haters want to.